everybody. Welcome to Frame Trap. I am your host, Ben Moore. Right next to me, you know him, you love him, Daniel Bloodworth. Hello. Oh, and at the end there, you know him, you love him, but he's been gone a while. Now yeah. he's back. Feels good. Brandon Jones. Hi. How you doing, man? Doing great. You're post-kid, so tell me, like, what what is life like as Brandon Jones. I'm definitely in kid. There's no post kid. I'm I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm surrounded by kids. Well, I guess post, yeah, post kid might have been a better years, way yeah. to say that. Yeah, yeah. It's, not like, it's not like you had him and then forgot about it. It's like Friday him. the 13th, man. He's, I, yeah. You never know when he's going to sneak up behind you. Is it, so it's your whole life, right? Like it's oh, just yeah. every, it's just every waking moment of Woo-hoo. every day. Yeah. yeah. And uh, just, just lots of surprises. You just never really know what, to, what the ne- next thing's going to be. So you're telling me, like, Milo can juggle? What kind of pri- surprises are we talking? Uh, I believe in him. I think he's got skills. He has yet <laughs> to represent those skills. He was actually, yeah. I don't know when this is going to air, but uh, yesterday was the day he was supposed to be born. So we haven't, ha- haven't expected a lot of him up until this point. But it's yeah. interesting yeah. to see him. So he already knows how to Small do the drop. Traditional development charts now. That like, but yeah, now that, now that we've hit that point, yeah. you're going to start expecting results. Yeah. Right? It's, like, it's like zero. It's kind of like, you know, when like uh, Battlefield will launch early on like the EA Access, you <laughs> yeah. know, and then like all those players get in. <laughs> yeah. They get to know the maps. Right. He's kind of like that. You know, he's got, you know, he was early, but he's got that a little extra edge. You can I juggle, think. can't you? I can juggle. Okay. So... Sometimes I think about like just you know games and things that I love, and I'm like, oh man, it'd be really cool to show that to a son or daughter someday. Mm-hmm. Just just you know thoughts that pass through your head. Do, what what sort of things do you have? Like what sort of things are you excited to share with Milo? Uh, I mean, like you know, uh, my wife is a massive Harry Potter fan, yeah. massive Harry Potter, and like it's funny. Star Wars for me is actually not that big of a deal. I think Disneyland's probably a much bigger deal in terms of like when the kid sees it. It's like oh, oh that's okay. okay. There's a lot of Star Wars to absorb. Like right. um, I think there's a, there's a lot of conflicting opinions about what way to do it. Do you start with the prequels or you know like what order do you do? But like I think when the kid first reads Harry Potter, like that's like a huge like I definitely talked to parents where they were like oh well clearly it's you know but what's the okay. when he's Harry's age or when but he's six. What's or the seven right timing though for Disneyland because there's a lot of people that just start <laughs> taking the kids to Disneyland too. before they can remember anything. Right, and they keep them in the strollers way too late. Way too late. If your kid's like checking the email on the smartphone, like get <laughs> it out of the stroller. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, two is the magic number for me. That's when I first went to Disneyland. So two is went to... Because I think I think three is when you have to start paying for them. So it's like from two to three. It's okay, like, I see. Get them there. I see as much as you possibly can, or five or so. I can't remember what the cutoff age is. With so Star Wars is a thing that that's still evolving. They're making Star Wars stuff all the time, movies, right. games, all that stuff. And you you have to cover some of that stuff for work. Is there any worry that like Milo is going to absorb something later, like? Oh, this part of the story isn't making sense, but it's happening now, so we need to get you to watch those earlier movies. Like, any of that stuff do you think about? I don't know. It's been fascinating. I have two godsons, and it's been fascinating, like, following them, following entertainment. Like, that's going to be – I'm going to be such a a nerdy parent because I'm going to be like, what are you into? And, like, leave me alone, Dad. I'm going to be like, no, I want to know your favorite shows and why. And it's fascinating following, like – are you are, are they actually following the overall narrative? Does that matter to them? Right. Because when they, uh, you know, when my godsons want to show me entertainment, it rarely lasts longer than ten seconds. Like if I want to show you a scene and be like, oh, watch this three or four minute scene, this cut scene, this one point in the game that's really interesting. For them, they're like, he's got this iPad out and some like kids app, and he's like, hey, watch this show. Okay, yeah, this episode sucks. Watch this thing. Okay, wait, no, I want to watch that. Like, just. Just land somewhere, buddy. You know, like the, the, that's just the way they absorb information and entertainment. It's just yeah. like more, more, more. I don't so, know if I already told this story on Frame Trap, but when I went home, my girlfriend's nephew was very excited about me having a Switch. And like all day, 
like all day was like we gotta play you know Mario Kart or Smash or whatever it was and we finally got to do it and like five minutes into it he's like alright let's move on to the next game and I was like Wait, what? Like, <laughs> what? You, you've been wanting this all day you've been so excited like how it was five minutes ten minutes whatever it was it was just such like a short amount of time yep. uh, yeah that's just the way kids are so uh, but yeah how has sleep been? Sleep is fine. Sleep as as people as people who do crazy events. I mean, Monday morning we're getting up for Gamescom and Nintendo, <laughs> no. and you know it's like I can get up at odd hours for weird reasons. The two things I was not prepared for was uh, just the expansive time is completely shot. I don't know what date is. I don't know what month it is. <laughs> I don't know how much time has passed between. Did we have a summer? I don't. Was it summer? I don't know. I was in, I was like yeah. inside most of it, uh, and just the pure madness of. Uh, like my, my vocabulary shot, it's hard to form sentences. Yeah. So like being fatigued, that's you know I can prepare for that. I like was not prepared for just like completely losing my mind. So that was interesting. I was glad I wasn't around for that. That might have been fun on some of the some of our shows <laughs> on the group streams. It's just me like you know losing my mind in the back couch. Uh, as somebody who is not around babies all that often, sometimes I'm just like, oh man, crying. It's it's really loud. Like you obviously know that, but I think being around it. You, you kind of forget how ear-piercing it can be. Um, as, it's like Yoshi's if, Island. <laughs> yeah. yeah if it's, when, it's, when it's your kid and it's happening all the time, do you just kind of get numb to it? Like, do you just, do you just get used to it? Yeah, you do, you do your best. But sometimes, like, I'm the only person in the house. I'm washing the dish that's going to house the milk that you are crying that you want. And, like, them's the, them's the breaks, kids. I can't right. do anything. You know, like, right. I can't do this and... What's great is he's finally eight pounds, which means we can do, I think it's called the boba, which is like this like ninja guidance sash that you wrap around yourself and then you like put him in. So like I did like check my email the other day doing that, you know, like having games while doing it. But uh, um, so that'll help like, you know, ease him because that'll shut him up immediately. Anybody like actually holding him. Gotcha. But, but both of the grandparents have just like a numbing effect that's just, you know, mind boggling to watch just like five seconds after they hold him out. But um, yeah, it's it's interesting, like picking up on uh, the cues, like little tiny, like you know, you know, like friends will come over and he'll start grunting or something, and they're like, "Oh, is that?" And it's like, "Oh no, he's just probably gonna fart in a couple <laughs> seconds. It's not a big deal." Versus like, "Oh wait, no, that cry is yeah, that's you're learning a whole other language." I'm gonna yeah, that's I'm yeah. gonna lose it. That's gonna you know, he's gonna be speaking a whole different language in a couple months. The most important question though, how is Sophie doing? Fine. Okay. Just um, uh, what's what's odd mostly uh, is not. I think she understands that this is something, and any, anything in that house needs to be taken care of. The most adorable Sophie moment was we tried to carry him uh, in that thing, in the boba, and Amanda's like, oh, I'll carry him in this, and you take Sophie, and we'll go on a walk. And I was like, okay, like we haven't taken him out of the house. This will be really exciting. And he made it one block down, and he started to freak out and cry. And Amanda's like, okay, I'm going to go back to the house. And Sophie's like, let's go back to the house. I'm like, no, we're walking you. We got to keep walking. And she's just losing her mind like the entire time. She's like, we have to go back to the house. Like she's giving me a look that's like, you are irresponsible. (laughs) (laughs) You don't understand what's going on. He was crying and we went back, you know, but it's like the groggy 4 a.m. Sophie who just like tap, tap, tap comes into the the nursery looking at me like, What's going on? Yeah. like, go back to bed, Sophie. It's fine. You don't have to worry about it. She's I'm like, here are for you, you sure? I'll, I'm just going to lie down right here. I'm like, yeah. that's fine. But, uh, man, the whole yeah. family. Because her because Sophie's big thing is like, she's got to have a schedule. So you, you mess with that, and that freaks sure. her out. But, uh, you know, having an extra family member, she's all about it. Um, have you had, I guess, kind of that, that moment where you, you finally get some time and you just you sit down to watch something or play something, and like within like the first 10 seconds, you're just like, 
oh, yep, can't do that. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the time. me all the time. All, with you guys. All the time, yeah. That's, <laughs> with us? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's, no. that's just par for the course. Yeah, you sure. just stop. Yeah. Um, and th- that's been interesting to have, like, just kind of this robotic nature take over when stuff gets, like, scary or weird or, you know, procedural or, like, there's just a lot of things in front of you that you're like, I'm not sure how to do a lot of these things. You know, it's like, it's obviously so important to you that you're like, I'm just going to do it. Yeah. No big deal. So, um, and he's been pretty healthy, all things considered. So, yeah. very, very, very grateful for that. You know, you say, you say you're loopy and losing your mind. That's, that's how you describe it. You seem like you're taking it well. Yeah, uh, I can so. fake it. Yeah, okay. Well, that's good. That's good. <laughs> it's the longest podcast we have, so I don't know if I yeah. can fake it for three hours. Yeah, I might, we'll see. I might we'll do, get, we'll I might get like Roger Sin- Rabbit style by the end of this, but we'll see. Yeah, a Brandon Sanity check-in. We'll have to we'll – have to. Well, emails will be a good time, I think, to loop back around. Oh, uh, and it's never, a bad, it's never a bad time to say thank you to anybody in the room that works at this company for covering my ass <laughs> for the last uh, six weeks or so. So yeah, thank you for that. It's that's the nice thing about Easy Allies is it's like okay, you know everybody's like manning their own ship and and trying to bring it into right. the collective whole. Uh, but for Frame Trap, Brandon, I I'm sorry to lean on you more. You've been you've been doing a lot of talking in those nine minutes, yes. but now we're going to be talking about something that you love that isn't your child. Well, it is kind of your child. Dragon Quest Builders too, <laughs> and it's in its own way. Dragon Quest Builders, I think, is your child. And you said you had a lot of time prepared for Dragon Quest Builders too. There's a lot in this game. I, yeah. You know, one thing that's bad, um, you know, over the years, blood, like you just develop those like no-no lists of of writing where you're just like, oh, I'm not going to fall into that trap. And especially with previews, one big thing is just listing, just being like, oh, there's these these guns and these maps and this mode and this thing. And you're like, okay, well. Talk about kind of what's important or what, you know, that that means to you versus another thing. And it was like near impossible to not to do that with this game because it literally is just a list of 500 awesome things that they did yeah. where I'm just like, oh, I remember how to do that. Oh, look what. Yeah, they made that just a little bit easier. Cool. And then it's just another one and another one and another one. Um, and so that was really neat. It was a bummer that, uh, you know, I didn't have time to actually review it. But um, uh, yeah, I spent a lot of time with that game. That game was basically like all of July which gives you a little bit of time of like, you know, or a little bit of an idea of how my, my schedule works out for games. Like that was one, you know, July was one game. So it's, it sounds <laughs> massive. Like have you finished it's a meaty, it? It's a meaty RPG. It's definitely bigger than the first sure. Builders, and the first Builders was, was pretty long. Yeah. Um, and I think they do a really good job. One of the things that I'm really appreciating now is the first game kind of had this idea of like, oh, here's these open areas. You can go and build what you want. And then I could see people being like, I'm so tired of building stuff. I've been doing that for this really long game. Or for me, it was like, oh, neat, another blank canvas. I'm going to spend another, you know, 20, 30 hours just running around this world and, um, you know, building and, and seeing what other people have built. And they've added, like, a lot more structure to, like, how that works. And, like, it's mu- that is much more connected to to the story. Um, and uh, and it's just – I would, uh, it – does not run fantastic on the Switch, but I've been playing it on the Switch, and the portability of that is super awesome. Mm. Uh, it it uh, feels pretty good. So as somebody who played a lot of the first Builders, finished it on two different systems, do you ever run into a situation with Builders 2 where you're like, I get it, just let me go. Like, I I know, I, l- like, let, let the chains off a little bit. Yeah, that's actually, there's a couple things, like big things that I'm like, I have gripes, but again, there's just like, you know, a thousand things that they added to the game that I'm yeah. like, it's, you know, it's uh, it doesn't necessarily add up. But I'm, it, it kind of hurts you for exploring a little bit. Mm. Like, you will get out into areas and you'll see, you're like, oh, what's over here? And the game's like, no, 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 you're not supposed to be here yet. And you're like, well, it's like Minecraft. It's just this big, open, blocky world. Like, I'm going to run around and see it, and especially... Um, I have this just, you know, complex whenever I play games where, like, 
every pixel you move slowly unravels the map. It's just like I'm the you know nerd that's running around like you know a steamroll dig just like every corner <laughs> like yeah. of the map. And so it does it this way, and it's fun because it has like the uh, old classic Dragon Quest pixel aesthetic to the actual overworld map when you look at it. And so I'm just like, yes, I have to get all of those blocks, even in like caves. I'm like swimming through like oceans. There's nothing there, you know. I'm like just to get that last <laughs> little blue square to like fill it in. Um, and I, I ran into some, conf- some confusing parts in the campaign where I'm like, I have no idea what I'm supposed to be doing next hmm. because it was such a microcosm of what I was doing in that exact moment where I moved on to the next part, you know, and it was like, if I, had, if this was my first builder's game, if I hadn't played the first one, or if I was really just following gotcha. every single breadcrumb of the campaign, it wouldn't be as noticeable, but it's like, I see something and I just run over to it, you know, and, and that's, what's fun about the game is that you can really like you know it was neat uh, Amanda's been playing it also in Switch and like her town there's three main story chapters in her town when she wrapped up the first story chapter was nothing like mine at all like it was yeah. you know so creatively it's really you know interesting to see that and they give you a lot of freedom but there were a lot of moments where I was like well, I thought I already talked to that guy okay <laughs> and it doesn't have this like oh you know because I love RPGs that was like a mostly a last gen thing that I saw a lot of RPGs start to do where it's like you can pick it up in the world you can pick up the quest from me you can pick it up from that guy and turn it into me you can do there's a whole other ways you can do it builders is like uh-uh yeah. <laughs> there's a very specific person you have to talk to you will you know f- oh I can make crops now and you'll see the empty slots for the other crops and like every character will be like huh tomatoes what and you're like I've got the seeds what do I do you know <laughs> I, so it's like you get a little bit ahead of yourself but uh Every time that happened, I was like, it's me. It's just, I have no one to blame but myself because I just I want to run around. That, uh, that sensation that you're talking about, I think, definitely happens with RPGs, especially because they're so long where there are just certain things that you want in all RPGs. Like, hey, man, if I buy a new piece of equipment, just let me sell the old equipment immediately. <laughs> like, yeah. don't make me go into a separate menu yeah. to do it. Um, and fighting games, that also happens where it's like, Okay, there are certain online things that we could do in all of these games to make it smoother. And this game does this one thing that's really nice and convenient. And this game does this other thing that's really nice and convenient. Like, let's just standardize this stuff. Yeah, it's very frustrating. But uh, you mentioned a lot of, like, a ton of improvements, just changes that you liked. Yeah. I I guess kind of like from a top-down perspective, what is your biggest thing where you're like, Builders 2, yes. Uh, there's, There's this place called the Isle of Awakening. Um, that is, uh, you get, there's like a little intro to the game and then you wind up here and then you move on to the first chapter, which was like where the last game started. So there's already like, you know, two prequel, you know, like chapters going into like the first, like main area that you're going to want to build and, you know, people you're going to want to meet. It's like very farming focused. Um, but then when you finish that, you go back to the Isle of Awakening In the first game, you would move directly from one chapter to the other and kind of have little tiny things that would connect you to those other chapters. And it kind of, you know, resolved in a, in a nice way at the end of it. But in this, and I was always confused. I was like, am I traveling in time in the first game or am I going to other parts of the world? It's not really clear. It was kind of nice having them separate because you could start over in a game where you're building and learning and getting better at this. But what's fun in this is not only can you go back to the Isle of Awakening now, this one big map with all of the skills that you learned, the tools that you have, but you bring people back with you that go to that town. So you bring people back from chapter two, they meet the chapter one people, and you get to see that those interactions. And um, so that was like, I imagine the meeting designing Builders 2, I, I can imagine that being you know at the forefront. They were like, let's have a place yeah. that you can always go back to, and, and it also factors into the story. And so that was really cool. I, like when I finished the game, I was like, okay, I got credits. Uh, I should probably pick up Ultimate Alliance. Like maybe I'll just tinker around the Isle of Awakening. Like 
20 hours later, I'm like building like a big, a big like railroad track around the whole thing. And then I'm just Classic like, Brandon. there's like, you know, like a castle that you build later on. And I'm just like, yeah, the castle doesn't need a roof. To, oh, fine, I'll build it. Um, so it's, so it's, it's interesting how hooked you get potentially if you, if you liked Builders 1 to this concept of having your home. Is there a post game after you get credits? Is, it, is there stuff yeah. to do and reason? Okay. There's a bunch. It's everything's island focused. And so there's like other little tiny islands you can go to that have their own little challenges. And cool. there's actually a component where you get an area where there's like unlimited resources, I think. And they, I like freaked out when they opened it up because they were like, select the biome that you want this thing to be forever. And I'm like, ah, I don't know. And so I like didn't actually jump into that world. But um, it's kind of like Minecraft is the classic like creative mode where it's like, you don't have to worry about farming anything. You just like go nuts and build. So I think it's like something like that. Uh, kind of two questions. One with the the characters that kind of you, you have in your base and then uh, just the storytelling. Because I feel like with Builders 1, something that I found charming was just like them marveling at your ability to build yeah. and, and kind of how that played into the dialogue. And I noticed at the beginning of Builders 2, you get a little bit of that as well. Um, does it does it have the same charm? Like, does, yeah. does the same trick work twice? Yes. I guess. Okay. Uh, one thing that was a little bit of a bummer is there's like way more people in your town. So like mm. that kind of one on one. Like in Builders One, every single chapter, I could tell you the name of everyone who lived. Like, like I made their rooms like kind of fit their personalities. And in this, I was just like eight beds, go to bed. I, you know, I can't like I, like I have like eight miners in this town now, and they're like, oh, five more miners moved in, and it's like, okay, I don't care. I'm not gonna like make, I'm not gonna give you each your own room. Um, but at the same time, they do a lot more, and the each of the chapters again. There's other than these three chapters, there's like a ton of extra stuff that you do. There's other like little sub chapters and a couple little curveballs uh, in the story. But um, uh, you know, like there's farming in the first one and mining in the second one, and there's always like some big mission that they have. And so the people that come into your town fit those specific like skills. Mm-hmm. And uh, specifically the second one, you're like going through mines, and it was fun. Like every morning to see the guys get up and they would get in the little mine carts, and, like go into the mine. Cool. And if you go into the mine, I don't think it was like one to one where like that person actually traveled to that spot and went mining. But like if you go through the mine, you can see them at work. And then at night they all come and they get drunk, and then they like go to bed and they get up the next day. Um, so it's neat not only like to have that be more elaborate, but actually kind of factor into the story. Um, so it like sacrificed a little bit of like actually caring about each individual person in the story. Like when I brought like people back to the island, I was like, oh yeah, that guy. I didn't, you know, we didn't spend a lot of time together. I don't really know what your thing is. Some characters stood out more than others, but um, the interaction, the AI was was fun. They definitely elaborated more on that. Cool. Uh, you mentioned that Amanda was playing it on Switch. Have you guys played together? In yeah, co-op? we did co-op oh, a little okay. bit. How has that experience been? That was fun. I think it's just the Isle of Awakening. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you can just run around and, and check that out. And she didn't go everywhere because like a lot of the stuff would be spoilery if she like went around my island. So gotcha. But um, so when you're when you're playing together on this Isle of Awakening, like are you limited with how far you can separate from each other, or how um, does that? No, you just run around. Yeah, you okay. can you can go wherever you want, and I think you can set what they can do. Like, can they add stuff? Can they take away stuff? Right. Oh I mean, yeah. Can that's they great. open right. chests? Can they? I guess add... for some reason I was thinking like same screen, but you guys are on separate screens playing. So right. It makes sense where you can go wherever you want. Yeah. yeah. Um, Cool. How is how is Amanda liking Builders Two in comparison to Builders One? Because she also played a lot of Builders One. Uh, yeah, she loves it. She uh, it's funny. I don't remember if she complained about this the first time or if it's something that I noticed when I was playing Builders Two. But she's just like too much talking. She's like shut oh. up. And like, and I think that kind of feeds into what we were talking about earlier with the story, where it just you get a sense, especially when she brought the first chapter people back to the Isle of Awakening and they were like, hey, we, let's let's turn this into the place that we just came from. She's like, great, I'll go do it. And they're like, step one, we'll do that. She's like, let me just do it. Like, stop 
t- telling me how to, okay, fine. And they kind of made her jump through some hoops. And like, I didn't, I was just burning through the story so fast because I thought I was going to review it at that point. I was still playing on the PS4. Yeah. And so I was just like, yeah, cool quest, whatever, let's do it. Where she like really wanted to kind of spread her wings when she like got back and was like, okay, you know, like kind of hand holding her through a little bit. Mm-hmm. But um, there's a lot to learn and a lot going on. And like, you, when you go back to the Isle of Awakening, you can start just like straight up unlocking stuff in the, uh, um, in your, um, uh, workbench, just being like, oh yeah, that weird chair. I'm, let me just like spend gratitude points to get to that, which brings me to the other thing I don't like: gratitude points. What the heck are gratitude <laughs> points? Gratitude points are a good idea, but the imp- implication is just, and this might be just a super dumb nitpicky thing, but they have objects in the world that um, are like I don't know what the word for it is, but it's like Doom characters where like you never see their backside. It's just a two D, but it, like it, it, a two D thing that exists in a three D world. You like, like doesn't matter. Dragon what. Quest with Doom is doing things <laughs> to my brain, man. But it's just it's just the idea of like having a two D thing and, and just wherever the camera's looking at it, it's always going to face the camera. Oh, sure. mm-hmm. And they just really stick out of the environment. So like you can bring like chickens back to the Isle of Awakening, and they'll drop eggs, and like they're an eyesore. You're just like, ah, oh, there's an egg up there. I can't, uh, you know. Because, like, you build stuff. You want to appreciate what you're looking at. <laughs> and in the chapters and back in the Isle of Awakening, uh, you get gratitude points. And the people will drop them when they are happy. When they're, like, you know, they eat food or they'll hang out together or they'll, like, uh, uh, farm or mine or whatever. Just like real life. Just like real life. But the gratitude points are actual physical hearts that fly out of them and land in the world. And so and I'm, like, done. And I'm, like, oh, let me go see what I look in the build. It's just yellow stuff everywhere. I'm, like, ugh. <laughs> So I'll just be like running around and collecting stuff. There's stuff you can build that collects them, but like that's also kind of a hassle to like go over and like activate these things. And I'm just like, I like the idea of them getting happy and then having that fill a meter and then I can spend that currency on something else. Brilliant. Why, Actually why going pick to pick up, up their stuff. And I kept telling Amanda, she was like, how, how is it? When I was just like barreling through the PS4 version. And I'm like, it's great. Least for everything so far without a doubt is gratitude points. She's like, what are those? I'm like, people poop happiness and you have to go pick it up. And then there's a point in chapter one where you build a bathroom. And I was like inside the building when I finished building it in, for, in like first person mode, which was great that they added in the sequel. And I finished identifying the room. And the first character was like, oh, thank God. And he like ran into the bathroom and sat on the toilet like in front of me. And I'm like, hey, what's up? And then they like left in a little yellow heart. <laughs> I'm like, great. <laughs> It's pretty cute. Another place to pick up gratitude poop. Yeah, but uh, uh, such a small thing to complain about. It wasn't. It wasn't that long ago that I was picking away at Dragonless Builders One on Switch, and it was just a good reminder of like, yeah, this combat is there. Like it definitely. Oh, the combat sucks. Yeah, they, yeah. they elaborated a little bit, but. Um, there was a lot of stuff, cool stuff with like traps in the first game that like kind of permeated all the chapters. And like the chapter three is like mostly trap heavy. The other ones are like combat's kind of like eh. You have a guy that runs around with you um, that's like a little a little buddy that'll fight with you, but like there's not you know maybe I, one or two sections that I thought were kind of creative. But I, I guess the only time it really better. becomes a problem is is how they balance it. Where it's like okay, if the if the building is fun. And interacting with these people and, and having this this sense of a community and a base where everything has its own function, like all that stuff is good. And there's a little bit of combat that's fine. So I guess like how does the the equation of it all work out? Like, do you wish there was less combat? Is it just the right amount? They should just do something interesting with the combat. I don't know. Like, there's there's uh, you just like 
slash it stuff. Like yeah. that's ju- that's it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like just like a block would be fascinating. <laughs> you know, like just some other <laughs> element to this. Uh, or if you're going to make it, because they, they again they did add more AI. Like there's uh, all of them fight in different ways. You can like give them weapons now. Uh, later on, there's like a room you can build, and you just put the best weapons in this chest, and they'll just get them automatically. And so like there are parts of that where it's like okay, it's neat to have these little AI friends around with me, but I can't like make a party. I can't like specifically tell one like you come with me on this mission that I'm doing. So maybe that's something they could do in three to elaborate because it's like, I just don't think the systems are there. Speaking (laughs) of... It's a little cute game. You're a little squat little character. Like, I just don't... It's not uh, near Automata. It's just not going to get there. <laughs> Speaking of three, as a, as our resident Dragon Quest Builders expert, what would be the the quality of life things that you would want oh, in no. three? I'm not prepared. You're not prepared. Because, uh, I, uh, yeah, I still don't think I'm, like, done with this. Um, I just, in general, uh, I would I, – the story was just weird. Again, again the um, – uh, uh, all the characters just kind of flooding each base – like um, when you would get to a specific achievement point, it was just kind of like, ah, here's a bunch of other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, uh, and like Amanda said, where you know, there's some parts that are kind of hand-holding you through it. Um, I think they could streamline the story a little bit. Um, and I, I was definitely into the narrative in the first one, I think. Did you the teach anyone one. to like build stuff themselves or like you the builder? They, d- no, they, de- the, that's kind of like the, the overarching plot of the whole thing is these okay. people being like, Hey, you know what? I like building. And you're like, yeah, you do go and build it. And they're like, okay. eh, I'm getting better at building. Yeah. you like to the point where when you leave, like they're all just completely self-sufficient and, um, buildings like, you know, naughty. They're like, Oh no, builders are bad guys. Like we don't, you know, we don't, don't trust builders. You just saying building is naughty. Oh yeah. It's just, boy. That face, That's but they were de- a good moment. There were definitely some points. It's 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 a cute game, but there were definitely points in the story. I think overall, where I was just like. Okay, this could be it's kind of clumsy, you know. It's yeah. like, um, and I think that's one of the things, you know, I was thinking about what I would score it the whole time, and I don't want to like officially do that because I'm not going to review it. But one of the things that I kept bringing me back down is I was like, this game is so dense, and there's so much stuff you can do, and it's such an improved sequel. And man, there's some moments that's just like, ah, it's just a stupid kids game, whatever, you know. Like, mm-hmm. don't focus on the story too much. You like do an achievement, and like everyone comes running in, and like eight of the people are like on a rooftop now, and you're just like, what are you doing? Okay. It's just really clumsy how. They set everything up, hmm. which is interesting because sometimes it's not. Like sometimes there are story moments that are kind of borderline epic and like pretty interesting. And then there are clearly parts of the game where they're just like, I don't care, whatever. <laughs> you get it. The game's not broken. Right. It's just going to look really sloppy. And like may- the camera's going to kind of freak out depending on like, oh, you built that thing over there? Oh, one of the worst parts was uh, they ob- obliterated something I built in chapter three. They like got oh. to a point where they were like, we need to build these things. I was like, okay, cool. And they're like, we're going to build it here. And I was like, I built the a thing there. They bulldozed it. I was like, cool. Don't make, let me build something there. Like, let me know that area is off limits. And sometimes they do that. They'll be like, oh, it's, there's a magical force that's like prohibiting me from building here. Mm-hmm. But um, so yeah, it's, again, just the, how the, how the story, how they unlock stuff. But it was just a lot more organic in the first game. And I think they tried to make it more streamlined and less boring. They were like, do we really need to give you 15 different shields? They're like, what if you had just four? You know, like mm-hmm. then it makes each one a much, a much bigger deal. Yeah. But it also kind of like, I could tell that something cool was about to happen in the story, but it just felt like there were a lot of like, a lot of people I got to talk to, a lot of stuff I got to get through. Um, and it just doesn't, compared to, you know, Fire Emblem and other, you know, like other, right. you know, even like Ultimate Alliance, which like does some fun stuff with the story. Yeah. There's just a great pace to it. I was like, we could maybe pick this up and sure. this could be a little bit smoother. Yeah. But uh, stuff to do, 
plenty. Yes. <laughs> it's a big, 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 big game. And you like games with stuff to do. Mm-hmm. Like, that is that is, a, that is a Brandon Jones specialty. Daniel Bloodworth, mm-hmm. you got to do something really, really cool. Not playing Dragon Quest Builders 2, unfortunately, but you did get to play Remnant from the Ashes yeah. with the developers yesterday on stream. Uh, which was pretty cool. So tell me, tell me about that. Tell me about this game because I've watched a little bit of it on Twitch. Right. I, I feel like I kind of have the elevator pitch understanding of it, but uh, you, sure. you got to take a, a much I closer mean, look. I think we were all kind of discovering it as we played it because you know it was just one of those things that's a little bit off of our radar. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, the community manager from Perfect World reached yeah. out to Ian after seeing Huber not put it in the monthly release video and. And Ian passed it on to me, and we eventually like got it all worked out for for him to come down. I I said developers, community manager, yeah. not developer. Well, I mean, you de- know. depends on how broad you want to go. Some sure. people will say like, "Hey, anyone who works on a game, you're a developer. You sure, know, you're whatever." Uh, but uh, but yeah, uh, so yeah, they came down and we got to to check it out. Um, they sent over a couple of PC builds, so I, like I got myself a little bit familiar with the tutorial the night before, uh, but it was more you know saw way more of it you know just. Uh, playing on Ian's laptop, and uh, you know, obviously, everyone wants to you know try to avoid just like saying this is our game is like that game, right. but it really is very much like if you took like a like a Dark Souls and put in like Gears of War kind of thing hmm. in, in ways. I mean, you don't get into cover and all that, but it's you know third person shooting, um, and uh, you're you're going through and shooting guys and then but the the other thing that's really interesting about it is um it's kind of like the setting like they've gone for it's almost how fallout is in a way and that like they've taken a period and then they said okay the apocalypse happened here in the 60s and now we're gonna f- fast forward like 80 years after that and just like everything being crumbling and everything but it's like stuck in the 60s mm. in terms of billboards and aesthetics and, sure. and that kind of thing um the other thing that's really interesting about the way the world is built is that it's all procedurally generated from the time that you, t- like, create your character and start the game. Okay. And so what he was telling us is that you'll get through the game in, like, 15 or 20 hours, but because of the way that it's generated, you'll really only get to see, like, 40% of the content in mm. a playthrough. Like, every time that you start a new game, you're going to get a different set of bosses the dungeons that you get to are based on what bosses are in those dungeons. Um, and then even there's like these modifiers on bosses. The one one that we fought yesterday was like uh, vicious, the vicious version of this boss. <laughs> you would want all bosses to be vicious, right? Like, <laughs> right. But <laughs> it's, a, it's an interesting modifier. <laughs> but it's it basically it's it 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 does way more damage when I it see, attacks. I so see. like, okay. we would get hit. And, like, already just from getting hit once or, or twice, like, we'd have, like, half of our health gone, you know. Okay. Just, and, and it also is a teleporting boss, which is, like, spending so much of our time just, like, running around the arena. Like, where do you go? Where do you go? <laughs> and the ads are coming at you at the same time. Uh, but they're saying, like, there's, you know, sometimes they'll regenerate. Sometimes they'll have more defense. Sometimes there's one that's called Enchanted, but I'm not sure what exactly what that meant. Sure. But apparently that would have been worse than what we did. <laughs> Man, uh, it's, what you're describing sounds both very cool and also raises a ton of red flags for me. Hmm. Where just what I've watched of the game, I, Souls is kind of the first thing that comes to mind. And 
it being procedurally generated, I feel like can swing so wildly in terms of just like pacing and difficulty and and moments, right? Because you run into this problem with procedurally generated stuff where you're like, you don't really get a sense of world, right? right? Like it's just kind of areas that you're going through that may or may not look way too similar. Um, and then you were talking about the bosses and the modifiers could be really cool and interesting, or it can just be like, okay, I just feel like I'm being modified out of this fight. Like this combination of stuff or this one modifier or whatever feels cheap in a way that, that like a more handcrafted boss maybe wouldn't, I guess. Yeah, maybe. Um, it definitely, I think one of the things that's interesting is, you know, I don't know that I would have, at least in the first couple of hours, I don't know that I would have smelled that it was procedurally generated. Because you got a good nose me. for that. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it, 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 it felt, you know, detailed enough. Uh, and there were, you know, it, one of the things that's interesting, too, is you'll, you'll go through, like, fighting off the smaller enemies and, and such, but you'll hear they'll they'll spawn in like these elites mm -hmm. and there's like this there's this tone there's like this haunting chime okay and it's like ting and you're like okay now there's a big boy around somewhere where is he do do smaller enemies like kind of skitter away when they hear that like are no, they no, no. afraid of no no that's the that's the problem is they actually everything gets attracted to gunfire and to noise and so you'll be trying gunfire is interesting yeah, so you'll be trying to fend off one of these big guys, and a bunch of small guys will just start swarming you, and gotcha. oh crap! And then you just get yourself into this situation, you know, or or you'll have to, you know, vault over some object, um, and you try to, you know, turn around and 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 get this guy. But there's there seem to always be somebody coming out of some corner that you you weren't accounting for, something that okay. you didn't see, some building or some like upper floor or something, and you tr we were trying to to figure it out because even though the 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 elites kind of spawn in uh at times mm -hmm. you know they had they, everyone had set places so you you still like when you die and you come back in it's like you're still learning that level because it's all generated from when you start the game uh so it's not randomized like gotcha. a, like a roguelike would be you know uh, which we'll get to rad later but um so you're still learning that level but Every time you play through the game, or if you go into somebody else's game and play co-op, which we didn't get to do, which I think would be interesting to see how those dyna dynamics play out, um, then it's like, okay, I recognize some of this. I know what kind of enemies appear here, uh, but I don't know exactly like where everything is at, is where the loot is at, and that kind of thing. Uh, this is this is all very interesting. Um, like, ha when you're how often, I guess, in, in your time with the game, did you feel like you were running into these these big elites? Like, did it feel... Oh, it was every, every couple of minutes. Oh, and, okay, and, yeah. so it's often. Yeah, right. and there would be times where, you know, it's like we would get two archers, and like we, like we literally got stuck in the crossfire. Like, okay, let's just like try to get around these guys. Gotcha. Uh, and then we went into... Uh, when we After we beat that boss... Uh, we wanted to go a little bit further and we got into the subway and there's like this reaper guy that just like gets you in between like two blades and like you've got to like 
mash a button to get out of it, but we couldn't figure out how to even hurt him because nice. Ian would shoot him and he would like phase through the shots. And it's like, okay. what is happening right now? Are there different types of ammunition? Um, I don't, I wouldn't say different types of ammunition. What you have with your guns, though, are you have these modifiers. Mm. Uh, and as you uh, get hits with that gun, it, there's a, a circle around the icon that fills up. And so one of those modifiers was called a hot shot. Okay. Uh, and so, like, all of these enemies are plant-based, at least what we've seen so far. So it's like this, you know, alien civilization called the Root or something like that. Yeah. And so most of them are weak against fire. And so, you know, you, you get, you know, your, your shots in and then your hot shot is ready. And like, okay, use my hot shot. There's another one that we had uh, that uh, basically put like a health ring on the ground. So if you stayed within the ring, you'd heal up. Classic. Um, and uh, there is one. Oh, uh, there was, I forget what it was called. It had a great name too. Question for you about how, <clears throat> like getting to the hot shot and, mm-hmm. and accumulating like all your different modifiers is that uh, like a combo system where you want to be aggressive and you need to like keep attacking like within close proximity you don't have to do that no or it's just like it's just a meter that fills okay so So it doesn't matter how fast or slow you approach it it's just like once you get to that certain point you're good okay cool and what's cool with them with those modifiers is uh you can apply them to whatever weapon you want so you've got a list of weapons uh and it starts you off choosing between like three loadouts. So you can start with like a long range or mid range or like a, you know, aggressive up close guy with a shotgun and a hammer. Gotcha. Uh, so Huber. Yeah, that's what we were thinking. We went with the, we the mid range one though, who had a coach gun, which was I, almost like a long range shotgun. Like when you, when you give somebody a shotgun and a hammer, at that point I'm thinking that you know who Huber is. Like you're doing it intentionally. Like it's not just something that you were gonna put in your game anyway. Um, And they build a lot of stuff out of scrap, so the hammer is actually kind of cool because it's like two carburetors put back to back. Nice. Oh, nice. But you're kind of getting me excited about this game. That's the thing. Like, we went from like blindness to like, hey, this is kind of cool, man. Where does the gameplay loop stop? It sounds like you just keep going and going and going and going. Like, is there a clear end to an area, or is there like an enemy encounter that kind of marks like the the end of one part of the campaign? It's like you get a certain way through, like, kind of because there's a base that you're in with like all your NPCs. Uh, well, most of your NPCs, yeah, the places where you go to buy your weapons and your supplies and upgrades and all of that kind of thing. And then there's this kind of like hub world, and then the hub world leads to these these dungeons, which are like separately cool. um, instanced out, I guess, maybe the best word for it. But even in the hub world, they sh- like we came across uh, this NPC, which is this old guy that lives in like a crashed airplane. And they're saying, yeah, like, yeah, you, not everybody's going to come across that guy. Like, mm. that's going to be individual. Certain oh, NPCs wow. are going to be individual to your world. So that's that's cool that you you get things that are only individual to your world. But when you say you said it was forty percent, right? Like when you finish, and just because of the way that things were generated, you might only see forty percent of the content. Does that mean you're only getting forty percent of the story? Or regardless of what you see and don't see, do you get a pretty good idea? Yeah, I think of what's there's a. It's a mix of both, I think. Because mm. I think there's a through line of the story, but then at the same time, there's like lore items and stuff that are out in the world uh, that 
yeah, you're not going to get all of those in a run. Sure. So if you like want to get all of the backstory and all the things but the, that go but in. But the major beats, you'll, yeah. you'll see. Okay. Uh, so with this game, it seems like regardless of the, the play style that you choose, guns slash range weaponry are going to be a, a pretty strong part of your combat. Um, yeah. Does that mean that you like ammo is scarce and you have to worry about it, or or how are they? How, how is the flow of combat working? I definitely wouldn't call it scarce, um, but you do have to, yeah, you do have to pick up ammo. Mm-hmm. It's a regular like thing that drops when you kill enemies. So do, do you have uh, kind of like a system of guns where it's like, okay, this gun, like. I've got, I'm going to find a lot have of ammo. two at a time. Okay. Is, and is one of those, like, more common? You're going to be using it a lot, and then one is special for circum- circumstances? Or yeah, what is I the think balance it's, there? at least for what we had, starting off with that mid-range characters, like, we had a pistol that, you know, could hold, you know, a lot of shots in a clip and, um, and be shot really quickly. And then we had the coach gun, which is like, bam, bam, reload. Gotcha. And one of the things that they did, which has been pretty cool, is that... Uh, you can start a reload and then dodge while you're reloading. And so you basically finish reloading while you're dodging. Nice. So to deal with those, again, those tricky situations. And, and just feels awesome. Yeah. yeah. And then the melee, whether you have like the sword or the hammer or whatever, that's just kind of like, it's almost like the panic moment. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, there's a swarm of guys around me and are like, kill him, kill him, kill him, kill him, and get like, get get yourself to back up. So how how difficult is it? Like how quickly do you go down? We all were going down a lot. Constantly. And we were passing that controller quite a bit. Yeah. Sure. Uh it really became a matter of like let's be very methodical about figuring out where these enemies are because once yeah. they start getting behind you it can be very easy. Are you just up against a wall in terms of progress? Are you like losing anything? Are you losing money or That's XP? That's interesting or thing like... that you don't that they they took away or I don't know about took away, but they didn't design it in a way that like yeah, you lose half your gold or you have to go back and pick up a resource or anything like that. It's like, no, you, you get to keep your stuff when you go down. Huh. So it's really, it's just about creeping your way forward. And that actually plays into some of the strategy too to where they do have like a bonfire mechanic to where like you get to a checkpoint and then you can warp back to the base. Gotcha. So what what is the bonfire equivalent? They're is like just... crystals. Okay. Um, and so you could get enough resources and say, all right, like, I'm not really progressing at this point. Let me go back. Let me upgrade my guns. Let me upgrade my armor. And then I can go in with a little bit more on my side to deal with these guys. I like that, like, to me, the horror apocalypse aesthetic really fits roguelikes. Like, mm. because you don't, exp- you, it, it, you're not surprised. Even like parts of Last of Us look like procedurally generated. Just like, yeah, you're in a subway, whatever. You know, it's just like, it's this place got beat up. You know, yeah. it's just like, no one was here for a while and now it's dirty. And, and that's right. kind of the general aesthetic. But also with horror, it's fun to not know what's done what's on that staircase, you know? And like, right. it's, uh, it reminds me of when like Minecraft first came out. First came out, I was like, "This game is terrifying," <laughs> because you would just knock open a wall and be like, "I have no idea what's going to be in there." So even if it's an enemy, you like the Reaper, you know, or, or kind of like Left 4 Dead vibes. Almost I'm getting from yeah. this, where you're just like, you can like, he, you know, know when certain enemy types show up, and yeah, well, you're there's one dreading guy, going around a corner, like how difficult this is going to be. Had like like two, they kind of gave like a katana kind of appearance, but they were like way wider. But anyways, but he would hold them in front of him like a shield. So you literally like couldn't attack him uh, unless he was about to attack you. So you kind of had mm. to like figure out that timing of like that's cool. Okay, I need to 
dodge and then fire like right away or like dodge past them and hit them in the back. Is it is it pretty much just combat from beginning to end? Like is there anything think, breaking that up or I mean there's some exploration within that and Huber found a secret before he even started streaming. Oh nice. He broke his way through an area. Um uh, but yeah, I mean it seems to be very combat focused and I think you know being uh leaning towards, you know, wanting people to play in co-op, it's three player co-op. Gotcha. You know, I think that's just kind of part and parcel with that. Uh when it comes to, to co-op and storytelling, it's something that can really frustrate me sometimes because, like, if you're playing with your buds and, like, hey, I found this notebook. Just hold up. It's got three pages. Let me read it. <laughs> like, that can be really annoying. Um, sure. But at the same time, when you get, like, an audiobook equivalent and you're trying to talk to your friend, like, that can also be really annoying. So how, how are they – how focused on the story are they, I guess, is the question. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think we saw a whole lot of it. Mm. So – I think there's definitely a fair amount of it up front when you first start. Um, but then after that, yeah, I think there's probably just like certain certain beats. Or, well, when you come across that NPC, he talks to you a little bit. Gotcha. Um, but, yeah, it's it's I'd say it's a little bit more spread out. There's definitely more combat and get through this, you know, this dungeon or whatever. When is Remnant out? Is oh, it's it? out like Tuesday. Tuesday, okay. Yeah, and, and it... there's early access this weekend for Xbox and PC. So gotcha. Oh, yeah. All right. So people pre-ordered. Is there an end? This is kind of like let yeah. it die. I mean, there like... is an end. Oh, okay. Yeah, but that's what you're saying. Is like when you get to the end, you still have only seen like forty percent. That's right. Of the way the world builds. Correct. Yeah. Are, are they charging like a traditional sixty dollars for this, or is it a different? Oh, I don't know prices. Pricing structure. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure it's just a traditional game. Though. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Cool. 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 Whatever the price is. Nice. Yeah, Blood, like, it was a game, it's a game I think that you will really benefit from watching other people play, and so I'm glad that you guys streamed it, because just watching trailers and stuff, I, I think it's it's a game that you, it sounds like you need to get your hands on, you need to feel, you need to experience yeah. it, to kind of see how all those ideas come together, for sure. Um, but, kind of uh, in a totally different direction from these modern hits, <laughs> like Remnant and Dragon Quest Builders 2, today... Uh, I busted open a Sega Genesis Mini oh, that yeah. I got to play. Um, I was surprised at how early this came in. I'm like, yeah. what is the release date on this? Well, and then then their embargo for it is like you can only show 15 minutes, which is kind of a bummer. Right. Yeah, so um, there's like no real good reason to try to do any kind of streaming. Yeah, but I could talk about it, uh, which is pretty cool. And I, I think just <laughs> with the the regular releases of console minis, it was like, this came in, it's like, oh, neat. I've seen this idea before. And so it just, it wasn't, that excitement didn't hit me until I got my hands on it. Um, because this thing is actually really, really cool. First of all, it looks fantastic. Like, it just looks really, really nice. Like, it, I, 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 it's hard to say it other, any other way than that. But when you get your hands on the controller, it's like, I feel like I step back in time <laughs> and am holding a brand new Sega Genesis controller. Listen, this is a question I have. because. Perfect. I don't remember Genesis controllers feeling that great to begin with. Yeah. So did they actually somehow make a better Genesis controller? Oof. Well, the the Genesis controller that I have to compare it to is the squeaky easy oh, living controller. My gosh, so I can't right. I can't really be like, ah, because it feels a lot better than that, I'll tell sure. you. I, and I guess 
when it comes down to actually playing the games, I felt like the controller was more than sufficient. Like, I, I wasn't thinking about the controller as I was playing, and so that wasn't that's a concern. Good. But then, but, yeah, they've done their job one way or the other. Yeah, the only thing that's weird, I actually didn't play it on this version, but I have I have played it in the past as a kid, but they have they have Street Fighter 2 on here, and they have the three-button Genesis controller. Oh. Street Fighter is a six-button game, yeah. and so you have to, like, swap between having the buttons be punches or kicks. And so I don't know why they didn't. If you're going to put something like Street Fighter 2 on the Genesis Mini, I don't know why you would do right. a three-button controller, which is weird. Yeah, which the PlayStation did. Did they? Did the, the PlayStation didn't have the analog sticks, no, it right? No, didn't. it didn't. Yeah. So that makes a little bit of sense cost-wise because that's more expensive. Mm-hmm. But three more buttons. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't think there are that many instances on this thing where it'll be a, a huge issue. But uh, the Genesis, the Gen, well, not the Genesis, the the Sega Nomad was my very first video game mm. console slash handheld that I owned, and so the Genesis is a very important system to me. But I think what's exciting about this is outside of like maybe the most devout Genesis fans, I think you're going to find something on here that is new for you. And so like whether you just want a good sampling of like the Genesis greatest hits, um, it doesn't it doesn't have everything on there. Mm. Like it doesn't have like it's got Sonic 1, it's got Sonic 2, but it doesn't have Sonic 3 and so- Sonic and Knuckles, so right. you don't get like everything you would want out of Sonic and the same thing with Streets of Rage like it just has Streets of Rage 2 it doesn't have Streets of Rage 1 or Streets of Rage 3 but you know it's got Streets of Rage 2 it has a classic game from that series same thing with Sonic 1 and 2 like you still get a good idea of what Sonic was like in the Genesis era even though you don't get everything Um, but there are also surprises so for me what was really exciting is they've got Mega Man the Wily Wars, uh, which is oh, fantastic. Wow. So that never got a proper U.S. release. And so what that is, is that's Mega Man 1, 2, and 3, but redone for the Genesis. So it, it looks all spruced up. Uh, it And it's, it's hilarious. I really can't think of another word for it. Hearing, like, the Mega Man 2 soundtrack through Genesis <laughs> sounds. Like, oh, it's, 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 it's like... <laughs> I definitely don't prefer it. Like, it's not... I, I prefer the original renditions of those songs, but, like, it's kind of a fascinating curiosity. Um, and it's it's a totally fine way, I think, to play... I was playing Mega Man 2, um, and it's a totally fine way to play the game. The, the only thing that was weird about the control... I did run into some control issues with Mega Man, uh, the Wily Wars, where, like, him... Creeping forward versus like going into a full sprint was a little bit weird. Mm. Like it seemed like you had to do a little bit more effort to kind of like go than I was used to. But it's something that I think after a few minutes you adapt to and it's fine. Um, but yeah, as far as like there aren't there aren't a ton of of bells and whistles for this. Like if you want to get the manuals for the games, you've got to go to a URL that is not up yet because I tried uh, uh, yeah. to to get those manuals for those games. Uh, but what's great is you can there there's if you want to save state, you can definitely do that. Nice. And unlike say like the SNES Mini or the NES Mini, to get access to, like, the main menu, you don't have to go up and, like, hit reset. You don't actually have to interact with the console itself. You can just hold start, and it's like, okay, I can save, I can do whatever I want just from doing that. And so that is really nice and convenient. It's a minor thing, but it goes a long way. 
Um, and it's you have uh, I don't remember exactly how many slots. I think you've got four save slots as well. So it's not just like one slot that you're trying to overwrite over and over again. Um, but yeah, playing something like Mega Man: The Wily Wars is great. Um, another game that I've been I've been mean I'm like. I don't know how I hadn't played it until now, but I love Contra. I had never played Contra Hardcore, mm. and this game is am- this game is amazing. Like this <laughs> game is amazing. I've seen other people play it. I've known about it, but I've never actually sat down and tried to play Contra Hardcore. Is amazing, and like classic Contra, you're kind of surprised, despite being very familiar with Contra, how hard it is. Like it's just like it's one of those games where it's so hard. You like. There's there's so much explosions and fire happening all the time, and then you get hit by a little bullet that you didn't see until it was too late, and you just kind of laugh to yourself. Um, but, like, the characters are spectacular, and what's really cool about Contra Hardcore is you get weapons specific to your character. It's not just, like, this universal... Uh, weapon stuff that you're picking up. So, oh, like, wow. oh, cool. I don't know if I played hardcore. Yeah, it's really really. Is there neat. motorcycles like at the beginning of that game? Uh, in this, so what's cool is when you beat a stage, you get to choose where you go, and uh-huh. then I chose a stage that put me on a motorcycle. Okay. Or you know, like motorcycle hover bike future. Yeah, yeah, equivalent. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that's really cool, and you also get four weapons, and so it's it's funny like blazing chrome. I was like, oh man, Blazing Chrome looks a lot like Contra Hardcore, totally, where you get you get four weapons and you can switch between them and that actually plays into the strategy because then when you die, um, you lose that weapon. So if you think you're going to die, you might want to use a weaker weapon so you don't lose it. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's, it's really crazy, it's really fun, it's really awesome. And then Blood or Brandon, uh, either one of you, either one of you familiar with Fantasy Zone? Classic um, Sega? Yeah, it's like the weird ship Flying yes. Around. Yeah. yes, yes, yeah. But it's like really hyper, like green and pink. And yes. <laughs> so I, I, Fantasy Zone was another like Sega series that I knew of and had messed around with. I think in one of the Yakuza games, you can play a little Fantasy Zone, um, but didn't really like seriously try to play. And Super Fantasy Zone, this game is amazing. Like oh, it's yeah? really good. Yeah. At first, it it took me a while. It wasn't like Contra Hardcore where I immediately was like, yes. It, it, there was definitely a process of being like, oh, I get what it's going for. Um, and so this is a sequel on the Genesis with Super in the title. Super, yeah. Yes. Super Fantasy Zone is what it's called. Yeah, because yeah, I think originally it was probably Arcade and then Master System. Uh. Yeah. yeah, so it, it has uh, kind of that, that interesting and kind of captivating look that you were talking about. Just very bright. And you're, you're in this, like, tiny little ship that has wings. And then when you go to the ground, like, legs pop out and you're actually walking on the ground. And so just visually it's very, very charming. But the way that it's structured is, like, in a level, you'll have these things that you'll need to destroy. And so it's like, oh, hey, there are these flowers that are enemies are popping out of. You need to go and you just need to make sure you destroy all of them in the level. So you have freedom to explore. And then what's cool is as you destroy things, coins will pop out. And you can get the coins, and then there's a shop that'll appear, and if you run into the shop, you can buy stuff. And so you can buy, like, a wide shot. But what's cool is it doesn't last very long. Mm. And so, like, it's like, oh, I have a laser. I need to make sure I'm using this as efficiently as possible because I don't know when I'm going to run into the shop again. And so uh, it's just nice, I guess, having, like, this shoot 'em up that it's not like, okay, I'm just going left to right. It's like I can kind of explore and do what I want and then make purchasing decisions based on what I need and then try to use it efficiently. Didn't get to play a ton of it. I uh, didn't get to play any of these games uh, for very long. But I guess the ultimate point is that it was like, okay, 
there are more than 40 games on this thing. I think there are 42, if memory serves, where it's like, I am familiar with a lot of these and then some of these I'd never heard of. And so it's just, the, I, I felt like I had a lot to dig into. Yeah. Um, which is really, really cool. It's not like, I don't know, you, you get this and you're like, man, I feel like I've already played this stuff. Um, because they even have the Genesis version of Tetris on here as well, right. uh, which is kind <laughs> of strange. like this this fabled thing. <laughs> and man, that is not a good version of Tetris. Okay, the music the music is not good, which is obviously very important for Tetris. And it's just like super super basic. And like as you're going through the stages, like it'll change to like some ugly static picture of like a dinosaur like it just it just doesn't look very good it doesn't sound very good do you remember what the story was of this tetris game is this like something no i don't okay unfortunately i don't i don't know the history lesson of it but one thing that i do like is when you select a game it will give you like a, a little bit of a summary of it i'll be like oh hey you know this 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 Genesis Tetris, like it's this fabled version. And now you finally get to play it. Like they do provide some context right. for each game, which is really really cool. Because I feel like something, something went down to where like it was done, but then they couldn't release it because of a Nintendo deal or something like that. But I don't remember what the details are. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think, I guess, if you are already bought into the idea of small versions of classic consoles, I think this thing has the games. I think it looks good. I think it sounds good. I think the controller itself feels really good. Um, yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. I, I want. I think it will really shine. Not me sitting here explaining it like this. It'll really shine in like a group stream setting. Yeah. So I hope we get to. to when we do get that. to do that in three or four weeks. <laughs> right. 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 Um, Blood, you're kind of on a roll for games that I that I really haven't followed that closely, and one of those games is Rad. Yeah. Also, also on Tuesday, pretty sure. Uh, yeah, so Rad Timely is... Timely Games. Yeah, uh, Double Fine and Bandai Namco Publishing, which is not a combination that I'm used to. <laughs> Wait, sorry, say, run that by me again? Double Fine, uh, you know, producing and, and uh, Bandai Namco Publishing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that is strange. <laughs> I didn't know Double... F- Maybe I did know and then forgot that Double Fine was behind. It doesn't look like a Double Fine game on the outset to me. I think it definitely has some of those elements. Does it? Yeah. Okay. I mean, okay. it's def- it's very much got this punk vibe going on. Um, and wait, uh, would you? Is that the word you would describe for Double Fine? Uh, I mean, they've, I mean, they've done some heavy metal stuff. Yeah. You know, like they always try. Yeah. I, I feel like they really get into music genres. Like, they do. Like a they sense do. of boisterousness, I guess. Yeah. You know, like there's going to be a lot of real, a lot of kooky humor in it. Kooky, kooky, I can definitely get game. to. Yeah. Yeah. Punk is interesting. Like, I'm but not it, saying you're punk, wrong. Punk in like a garbage pail kids kind of yeah. way. Yeah. You know okay. what I mean? All right. Yeah. I just really want to. There's wanna, a lot of green yeah. and purple in this game. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Down. Okay. Yeah. There's some like, there's some of those like old school synths, like I think you've talked about in some games before. Okay, uh, I, I got a question. Cool synths. Yeah. I got a question. I am the synth guy. I'm on the allies now. <laughs> I feel like we're in a time where pretty much every other thing that comes out is some retro-inspired thing. It's just it's just nonstop. Right. At what point is that? If that's most stuff, at what point is that still retro? Right. You know, <laughs> like what, at what point is that just what, contemporary? Yeah. yeah. What do the 2010s actually look like? What is right. our what is our vibe? Right. Um, the 2010s are we just want to go back to the past. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry. But uh, so this is taking place uh, after the second apocalypse. 
<laughs> playing a lot of uh, bleak post-apocalyptic <laughs> stuff. Yeah, so they, there was one apocalypse that happened, and then there's these thing. I guess there's this, like, group of civilization or whatever called the Menders that tried to fix it, and they inadvertently caused the second apocalypse... <laughs> Excellent. Um, Excellent. That definitely sounds like a double fun <laughs> plot line. Yeah. <laughs> totally, yes. And so, yeah, it's very much a roguelike. You have this central town uh, where you can go around and, and talk to some people, and there's a shop there, and and, uh, and there's this elder who's got this voice that's kind of going for this uh, Transformers, like, uh, like somewhere between Optimus and Megatron. And it's funny because he also will be Trying part of... Trying to do Optimus and Megatron yeah. at the same time sounds tough. So, but even in a lot of the menus and stuff, so you like you hit start and it goes, pause. Yeah, that's I remember. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. But if, if you do it a lot, like there's a lot of different takes and then some of them are like, this guy's starting to get annoyed with you. He's like, paused, yeah. paused, <laughs> paused. Like, so yeah, it's, it's kind of... There's a lot of humor throughout. Uh, and then... Uh, there's like, so you basically have this, uh, baseball bat and you're like, oh, and there's the basic, there's kids that they're essentially using as cannon fodder. I don't know, to go out in the world (laughs) and use as resources. And so this, this baseball bat that uses a weapon, the way they kind of explain like the roguelike elements of it is that when you die, it just kind of flies back towards the town and then your copy just kind of pops out of the door and with the baseball bat in hand. Uh, and But what they do is they transform you to be able to uh, not only survive the radiation that's out in the fallows, uh, but uh, to thrive on it. And so when you go out there, it's, it's all top-down. It's, it's roguelike. And so every time you go out into the world... Um, it reforms, so you have to learn the map every time. Uh, and but there's still like uh, stages, so there's like one, 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 two, two, one, two, two, and so, and, and so on. Um, and so if you manage to survive a stage, then you get to go back into town, and then whatever like cash that you've picked up, which is in the form of cassette tapes, uh, you can deposit into a bank. Okay. And so that way, when you go back out, because there's shops out in the fallows as well. Uh, that you can buy different mutations and you can buy uh, just healing items and things like that. There's something appealing about somebody going up to a shop with like a thousand cassette tapes and just dumping them on somebody. (laughs) But but essentially when you start, all you can really do is you can jump and you can swing the ball bat and you can charge it up to do like a circular like Link, uh, like Zelda kind of spin attack. Um, And then... Uh, you can kind of like a, do like a jump kick and, and stuff like that. Uh, but as you kill enemies, it adds radiation to this meter at the top of the screen. And when that radiation fills up, you mutate. And then this is where everything changes like crazy is these mutations are random. So you can have any part of your body mutate. And, and, and I don't know how many that there are. I haven't seen all of them. I haven't seen all the combinations. But for instance, like the first one I got is just called a firearm. And your arm's just constantly on fire. (laughs) So now you can use your arm to like blast flames at enemies. And that's one of the biggest things because this game has like been 
kicking my butt and Huber's butt both. Because you only start with, like, three hearts. And depending on the enemy, like, the weak enemies will take off half a heart. Mm -hmm. So you can get hit six times, and then that's it. Everything's gone to start over. Sure. Um, Are you running into things that take away, like, two hearts? or? Yeah, yeah. Things okay. will definitely, like, knock, like, a lot of health off of you really quickly. And there's also not, like, any kind of dodge or block button. So it's, like, really, like, you really have to figure out, like, when is your opportunity to, to hit enemies. Um, Man, no dodge or, or is there a roll? No. Or, sorry, no, no dodge or block. That seems... Like, do you ever get into situations where things just suddenly surround you and it's like, like how do I not get hit by this? Uh, a little bit. I mean, I think the, the jumping kind of serves as that mm. um, to where, like, you can jump, jump kick, jump out of the way. Um, but the mutations are a big part. So, gotcha. you know, so like that, like there are a lot of things that are like that that are like ranged attacks. And so that helps you, and that almost works like a twin stick kind of thing to where, like, you point, use the right uh, stick to point in a direction and then hit the trigger to throw your fireball or whatever you might have. And so, like, some of the other ones I got, one of my favorite ones was called the armor ring. So you get, like, this big purple arm that you throw as a boomerang. Uh, and there's, like, pops off with, like, blood and stuff kind of cool. spinning Rad. around it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's another one called a uh, warhead. So you get like this ghost rider like flaming skull yes. and you just chuck it uh, at enemies and it explodes and grows back. Cool. Um, there was um, one was called Cobra where your head just turns into this giant cobra head. Okay. And then you strike at enemies and then also inflicts poison on them. Nice. But then last night I also I had a like crazy combination because I had that, and then my body turned into like a goat, like centaur kind of thing. Is that what you shared? Yeah. Is that what you were like? What's so going on? So I had here? a snake head <laughs> and like a goat body, but then I had ram horns growing out of the head because of the goat thing, uh, and then on top of that, I got like this thing that turned the goat body into like a tree thing, and so the, what the goat body let me do is like just ram through guys. It's just like a rush attack. Uh, but then the tree thing, it allows you, there's like a circle around you to where if there are any enemies in that circle, um, you can like grab and like snare one of them in a bunch of roots. Mm. Uh, and then if you upgrade it, like then you can snare two of them. Uh, so when you die, are you losing all of it? You lose all of it. Okay. So, man, <laughs> <laughs> that that's, if, if this is a game where... It's kicking your butt and it's kicking Huber's butt, and you can die so quickly, and you don't have that much life. Like, does that kind of demotivate you from playing, where you kind of get a combination that you're really in love with, and you're like, man, I, I may not get that again, or I, I'm getting something and it's not nearly as good as what I had last run. I, don't I mean, know, I sometimes, like if I if I get into because generally the way it works uh, with the levels is that there will be um, there's like some door. Right there's like a big door that you have to um, unlock to get to the boss room, and so you have to look around the level and find like these pillars uh, that'll rise up and then like shine a light at the door. And then when you get the correct number of pillars, then the door will open and there'll be like this you know guitar solo or whatever, you know, <laughs> let you know that the door is open in the past. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the the other one of the other things that's interesting is everywhere that you walk, uh, grass and flowers grow. 
And so, like, you're creating these paths through the wasteland. That's cool. And when you walk back over them, you actually go quicker. Like, you, Mm. like, run past over them so that you can get from one side of the level and then you explore and then, okay, coming back is not going to be as big of a pain. That's a really smart way of of dealing with that problem. I like that a lot. Yeah. Uh, And then there are also, like, these underground, like, more dungeon-y areas where just, like, a bunch of, like, uh, purple hallways and such. Yeah. Uh, But there will be shopkeepers down there as well at times. Uh, And there will also be these big, like, massive mechanical heads that you charge up. And then, so the ones, the mutations I was talking about before, those are called, like, exo mutations or whatever. Okay. But these heads will give you endo mutations. And so these are things, like, they'll give you an extra heart, but that heart will only, like, absorb fire damage or radiation damage. Okay. So, like, that heart will protect your other hearts when you get hit by those kinds of enemies. Do those endo mutations carry over from... No. Okay. Oh, dang. Because you, you, you have mechanics like that, right? Where you have some things right. that you'll lose, but you can invest yeah, and so make things easier. Yeah, so there are things that sort of... For you I don't know if there's like an, a system to it or whatever. There are things that will unlock that sort of carry over in a weird way. So I unlocked like this alternative to the baseball bat, which is like this scepter with a crystal on the end. And... Seemingly to me, the, like it seemed like the only real difference is if you fall off a cliff, you'll take less damage from falling off a cliff mm. if you have that equipped instead of the baseball bat. Um, but then there are also some things that uh, only you'll unlock new things that will either pop up in shops randomly in the inventory yeah. or from certain loop jobs. And so one of the first things I, I got with that was a pair of high tops that gives you a double jump. And so I don't get to start with those high tops, but going through the levels, I might find a merchant that's selling those high tops. Gotcha. So those are the kinds of things that get added in sure. um, as you go back in. Uh, and then you also unlock um, different, basically, characters. Because mm-hmm. you, you start off with like three out of the eight characters available. Uh, and there are also, I don't think I've un- unlocked any yet, so I don't know examples, but there's like modifiers into how the game plays somehow. So I don't know what that's even really about yet because I, ha- I haven't, haven't gotten, there. gotten to experiment with that. So with these runs that you're doing, are you, are you finding, like, how how long is a run, run last than you on average? Like, how far are you getting? Um, I'm generally, I mean, neither one of us have, like, passed the 2-2 two, two cap. Okay. Um, but it's... Yeah, it's it's interesting because like you're saying is like how much does it kind of like dissuade you from going back in, and at first like it took me a little bit to gel with you know the feel of the movement and everything, uh, but after a couple of rounds, then I'm just like, all right, you know, I want to do another run. Yeah, you know, I'm like I want to get back in there. I want to see what else I can do. I think I. I could have, you know, could do a little bit better. Gotcha. Um, and so, yeah, so it actually, I feel kind of incentivized with that. They they also show you, um, like, at the end, they kind of give you, like, a ranking, um, like, a pretty simple ranking to show you, like, okay, this is how many enemies you defeated, you know, on this run. Okay. Um, is it is it, like, and if you, like, die grade? immediately. Is it, like, a letter grade, or is it just? It's not a letter grade. Okay. Um, but, Yeah. Okay. So I guess at least you have maybe that pushing you forward where if yeah. you're getting a slightly better ranking each time, that's yeah. kind of... Yeah. In, in a way, like, it, 
You know, because I tend to not care that much for roguelikes, but I think in a way, like, what's pulling me in is it feels more like, it feels more like an old school arcade game in that sense. Sure. Of, of like, a Contra or something. Like, all right, I got I got this far in. I mean, give it another go, and I, I think I can get a little bit farther. Interesting, because, yeah, just playing Contra today, right. the, the thing was, like, I just need to die to figure out what's going to happen. Like, right. okay, that guy's going to show up there and then shoot diagonally down. And it's yeah. just getting that information. I'm, I'm assuming that's kind of the same thing here. Yeah, where, like, like, even though I haven't seen, like, I don't always see the same bosses. Right. You know, and, like, sometimes I don't feel like I have the thing that would help to, like, really get this. It's like, well, maybe this time I will get that ranged weapon that will really help me out. You're making me think of um, Cadence of Hyrule, where kind of the, the puzzle for that was, like, just figuring out what all of the enemies do, where it's like, okay, I know that this guy's going to jump diagonally, I know that this person's going to do, like, a wide range attack, and then once you have that, you can deal with pretty much everything. Yeah. Um, yeah, because it's like, I felt like, you know, I was describing, like, this, like, all right, I've got I've got the roots, and I've got this bash attack, and, I'm you know, I've, I've like, I've got it made, like, all right. And then I get in, and, like, the boss is this, like, weird thing that I've never seen before and it's just like this flopping like whale kind of thing with this like when it smashes down and like it's got this huge area Mm -hmm. of effect attack and it's like ah okay I wish I had a range (laughs) but then once I was done it's like I should have just stuck to dashing I would have been fine but you know I was trying to get it like trying to kill it faster rather than just being patient yeah yeah that is definitely a weakness that I have where like when you smell blood and you're like, maybe I can kill this thing fast, just like over committing and taking a bunch of unnecessary damage. Blood, that also sounds like a cool game and something that just wasn't on my radar. I like it. I like it. I'm always down for a good role. Like I need to get back to Void Bastards as well, which hmm. I don't think you were on the episode no, when I talking about that. I haven't really checked it out. I know I people think, were talking about it. Yeah. I, I know you're not really into roguelikes, but just describing your process with Rad, I think you might be into it if you get a chance. Oh, another cool thing I wanted to yeah. mention. When you get back to the town between levels, uh, the people in town will com- comment on your mutations. That is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. What's the best thing that you've gotten? Oh, man. Um, I mean, I definitely have had people been, like, like freaked out by, like, my my head being on fire and stuff. <laughs> are, they, are they, like... Sarcastic about it? Are they scared? Because I feel like fear would be an appropriate response. Yeah, they're not like really scared, but like, yeah, like people, yeah, they'll just mention it like, dude, your arm is messed up. Like, yeah. Do they say rad? <laughs> yes. <laughs> definitely. They absolutely, they definitely do. Okay. Yeah. All right. Great. Uh, Brandon, that's, a, that's a podcast bet right there. Like, yeah. How many times? How many times in the first it? five minutes? <laughs> it might be next week. Kyle might throw that out. We'll see. Uh, Brian, I do have some bad news for yeah. you. What? Um, you introduced a concept that I hadn't heard about before. You knew you were informing us, but the demons very aware of gratitude points and they hate them. The <laughs> demons are anti gratitude nice. points. And the demons, so, I'm failing today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you That's have now put us in the frame trap, and I have some exciting news. No regrets. I think this is the, the first time this has ever happened on the show. We have a game submitted by a fan. Yes. Mm. So he he took to the classic frame trap real or fake structure, gave us ten of them. We're doing real or fake Sonic the Hedgehog zones. Oh, so damn. Oh, wow. I'm no good. Yeah. I'm no good. Yeah, that, it's such a good thing to do a real or fake one because 
this the difficulty on this one is high, and normally we do five, uh, but credit to Corey Williams. Corey gave us ten of them. Okay. Uh, so let me let me just I'm get your points. Terrible at this play. Terrible. All <laughs> set up. Yeah, I'm not gonna be good either. Yeah. Oh, um, no. He gets he gets pretty obscure in some of these. Okay. Um, good luck. All right. First one. Spring yard zone, real or fake? Spring what now? Spring yard zone, spring real yard? or fake? Spring yard zone. I'm feeling it. Real. Yeah. Real. Feeling it. <laughs> I love how you didn't say really. You're like, yeah. I said feel feeling it. it. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah um, no, that's totally fine. Feels real. You're both right. Yeah. You're both on the board. Purple prism zone. No. Fake. You're right. You're both on the ball, <laughs> neck and neck. 100%. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm bound out. <laughs> Sky chase zone. Yes. Real. Yeah. Yes, real. You're right. Uh, I he also included uh, what games the years are from. Oh, yeah, so Springyard Zone is from Sonic the Hedgehog one, hmm. uh, and then Sky Chase Zone is Sonic two. Panic Puppet Zone. Nah, I wish now. Real blood is right. It Damn. takes the lead. That is from that's Sonic a, 3D Blast. That's a zany zone right there. 1996 Genesis and Saturn for that one. Damn. Bloodworth keeping it alive. Ice Cap Zone. No. Fake. You're both wrong. Ah. That is real Sonic 3. How about, uh, how about Nature Zone? Yes. Fake. Sure. Brandon catches back up. Oh. That's Sonic Shuffle. Nature. Just, just odd enough to be real, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, Nature Zone was one I was zone. like, really? <laughs> really? That's the best you got? Grass Zone. Circuit Board Zone. No. Fake. You're both right, okay. and you're both tied. Mm-hmm. Going into the eighth one, mm. double X zone. <laughs> oh, real? Sure. Yeah, yeah. I'll go. I'll go real. Man, that is one that I expected you guys to say fake for. That is real. That is Sonic Advance Two on the Game Boy Advance. It's just bizarre enough. Just two more. Just still real. tied up, five and five. Okay. Storm Cloud Zone. No, too generic. Real. No. Brandon is right. Ah. Dude, Brandon is really, <laughs> really coming in strong. I'm so into this. Brandon has a chance to <laughs> extend his lead, and Blubber has a chance to catch up on the very last question. Nightmare Zone. Yeah, isn't that like a classic thing? I think Nightmare Zone. Bank. No, I'll buy it. Brandon wins. Ah, it is real. Get this. It. Sonic Lost World, the Knights DLC. <laughs> Weird. So that's not a classic thing. I remember somebody. Okay. Weird. No. I might have just lucked out there. <laughs> Brandon. I remember that coming up. Be it luck or skill, you are our victor. Yeah. And you will have to figure out a way to break us out of the frame trap. So I'm going to give you some time to think about it uh, so we can talk about our lovely sponsors. But kay. if you could make it Sonic themed, oh, okay. I think mm-hmm. that would be even better. You don't have to. Kind of frame trap is a flexible thing, but just an idea. Uh, but speaking about those sponsors, our first one, as always, is the lovely and supportive Greg the Dark Knight Kettering. Thank you, Greg. Thanks, Greg. Next, we've got Zotek. Do you play Final Fantasy XIV? These guys don't. Maybe they should. Are you on the Crystal Data Center? Search at Zotag, that is X-O-T-I-G, on Twitter for a link to an EZA Crystal Discord server. Thank you, Zotek. After that, we've got JoJo's Dent Co. Always fun to say, and as always, thank you for the support. Next, we've got Accounts Payable, Bloodworth, 
Give me a shout out. Accounts payable lets us shout out anything. Oh. A concept can be an easy eight thing. Shout out to Ian Hink, who is editing a lot of things. Yes. Shout out. Who could not be here because of that. Yes. Yes. Shout out. Thank you, Accounts Payable. Uh, Next, we have Gift of Heaven. Gift of Heaven is a free 3DS RPG, which strives to be as funny as Earthbound, efficient as Chrono Trigger, and epic as Final Fantasy VI. Gift of Heaven quadruples every data limit of RPG Maker FES, using passwords to unite four game files as one bold explosion. Mm. O.M. Hawkstelter is cooking the rip-roaring, full-blast, Tolkien, Potter, Forrest, Gump, Cabo meal you deserve to eat, and them Hawkstelters don't skip on the shrimp. Gift of Heaven's 43-minute promotional short film, Symphonia Anathema, is now available on the official Gift of Heaven YouTube channel. You can download the prologue August 25th via the RPG Maker FES 3DS app. That's coming up soon. Sorry for the delay. As Miyamoto once said, a delayed game is eventually good, but a rush game is forever bad. (laughs) Uh, Our next sponsor would like to highlight the Scleroderma Foundation, which is a qualified national nonprofit whose primary goal is to raise funds for their threefold mission of support, education, and research. Scleroderma is a rare chronic connective tissue disease most commonly characterized by hardening of the skin. The foundation has 20 active chapters and 160 support groups across the U.S. Find out more at the link in the description. This sponsor is in memory. The sponsorship is in memory of the best grandma around. Mm. Thank you. Uh, last but certainly not least for our regular sponsors, we have Alex AI, who says looking for a fun, economy-based minigame and a Super Nintendo-era RPG, mark the Western release of Romancing Saga 3 into your calendar and support the Allies. Check this one out. It's worth it for the optional recruitable characters alone. Romancing Saga 3. Cool. But we're not done. Before we get to Brandon's, the biggest Sonic fan in the world, the juiciest, caught in a frame trap, breakout, we have our mega sponsor, ViewSonic. It goes without saying that gaming relies on fast reaction times, and if you're often finding yourself on the losing end of those nail-biting standoffs, the problem might not be your performance, it might be your monitors. With the ViewSonic Elite's expansive line of gaming monitors, users are delivered the performance modern gaming requires. Take the 24-inch XG240R with its blazing fast 144Hz refresh rate and 1 millisecond response time. You'll experience the hyper-responsive of eSports pros. And with the XG240R's fully customizable RGB backlighting, users can sync to partner hardware to illuminate their gaming atmosphere. Learn more about ViewSonic Elite by by visiting ViewSonic.com Elite and giveaways and updates for and for giveaways and updates follow at view sonic gaming on social media you know that's one of those things just like blood we've talked about it several times where you get in a pc game and like you're fiddling with their graphics and yeah. then you like get in your head and you're like maybe, maybe it was better this way and you're just like you spend way too much time with that stuff it's things like this where i'm like oh man maybe maybe i would have done better if i had a better <laughs> like they get in your head and then they're like maybe maybe my tv slash monitor is trash it's how they get you. Brandon, are you ready I am. to break us out? Um, yeah. So I actually I have a little bit of history with Sonic because <laughs> I, you know what I played more than the Sega Genesis was the Game Gear. I played Game Gear a uh, lot. Brandon, I, oh, I, I've never had a Game Gear and I've always wanted one. I'm so yeah. jealous. Yeah. So I was playing, um, yeah, just all sorts of like fun console stuff. There was a fun Ninja Gaiden for, for Game Gear. And I played Sonic the Hedgehog for Game Gear. And so I do remember, I do have in the back of my head the at least, I don't know if it was the same... Jingle every level that you finished. 
There definitely is an end-level jingle that is in my head from that game. How many batteries did the game year take to operate? Because the Sega Nomad, let me tell you, six AA batteries for that battery pack. It was six plugged in. Yeah, yeah it was a six sixer. Yeah. Um, and that was the big uh, Gunpei Yokoi. May rest in peace. That was one of the big deals about the the Game Boy. This was they were like the color. They're beating us, Gunpei, and he was like, trust me. Those four double A's. Parents are going to remember that. Yeah. He's like, that black and white, we're going to, you know, so the Game Boy Color took forever. Yeah, and the thing the thing about the Nomad with those six double A's, like, it didn't last that long. Like, right. you, you burned oh, no, through those. Oh, no, it chewed those, yeah, those yeah, yeah, up. Yum, yum, yum. But uh, to break us out, I just remember that jingle. Every time you would run in and you'd, you'd smash that machine and all your little furry friends would go jumping out. It was dun, 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 dun. A musical breakout. Yeah. I like that. I might. I might ask for more of those. Actually, breaking out at the end of the level. Your bunnies everywhere. Brand Jones. Uh, since you've been gone, we've talked about Marvel Ultimate Alliance three on this podcast. We also streamed it, but I want to hear your take as as superhero enthusiast. Yeah. Such no a Cyclops cl- yet. No, just a couple weeks. Just Two couple weeks. weeks. He's the end this month. Thirtieth, I think. How much has that impacted your enjoyment? Um. He's he's actually in the story. He pops up. Oh, they tease you, man. There's some characters pop oh, up, and you're like, oh yay, I get this character now, yeah, and then they take off. You're like, him. no, beast, get back. You know, like, <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> we like get those characters later, but um, oh, it's so great. The Switch is just having such a wonderful summer. It's crazy that I still have stuff like Mario Maker and Fire Emblem is teasing me, man. Oof. Brandon, somebody I didn't had know a Fire Emblem could tease somebody you. Had this a, is somebody, news. somebody posted a GIF. I can't remember who it was. And they were like, uh, they were like, man, I think I'm a little over leveled. And they were bringing an archer in that was just dominating. And I was like, ooh, that looks like fun. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. But uh, uh, Golden Deer, they they love their archery. Ooh. If you pick a house, okay. Have good you enough. seen the three good houses? Enough. Yes. Do you, do you know? The I debate to, is raging on social yeah, media. Yeah, yeah. It's hilarious. Do you, do you have one that you'd be leaning toward? I have no idea. No, okay. I, 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 right. I have not That's done. Have not done that much amount of research, but. A blood, lot of it. Blood. I think you would pick Blue Lion. Blue Lions. Just mm. to let you know. Okay. Are you, do you think you'll play Fire Emblem? It's hard you to smell say. Blue like Lions I, on him. I do. I do. <laughs> I, have, I have this weird like reeking of Blue Lions. Like Fire Emblem is very much like on this edge of like I want this and I never get it kind of thing. So like even going back to like the original GBA release, like I played about halfway through that game before like whatever happened in life kept me from continuing to play it. The the cosmos is like keeping you away from Fire Emblem. Right. Yeah. You didn't think I was going to turn this Ultimate Alliance conversation into a Fire Emblem <laughs> conversation, did you? Sorry. Back to <laughs> Ultimate Alliance. Well, it just makes me so happy. I actually played a lot of Ultimate Alliance on a monitor, on a, on a TV, and then it wasn't for a while before I was like, you know, again, there's like that question at like four in the morning when like Amanda's getting sleep, and I'm like, should he... Am I confident enough to play games in the living room, or should I take the Switch into the nursery and right. be close to him? Like, oh, I'm going to bring the Switch in. And then just playing Ultimate Alliance on handheld, I'm like, oh, this makes so much sense. You know, I feel like Ultimate Alliance is like a good baby game where, like, yeah. you don't have to be that committed to yeah. it. Like, you just mm. pop in and out. But it's still pretty hard. There's some boss fights yeah, that definitely, uh, definitely. I'm playing on, like, what normal, I guess. I don't know sure. if you unlock uh, other difficulties when you finish or or how that works, but it was just, like, normal and easy, basically. Mm. But, uh, yeah, I definitely got my butt kicked. There were some snipers on Wakanda. I'm like, what? whoa, what's going on? <laughs> like, taking half my health. Like, oh, wow. Um, but, um, uh, yeah, I don't know if I was just uh, not leveled up to that point. But, like, one of the things I, for- I totally forgot about Ultimate Alliance, um, and just, I mean, I call this game X-Men Legends 5. I mean, this is just this series I've loved, you know, since the, you know, PS2, Xbox era. And one thing I totally forgot about these games that they really blew up in Ultimate Alliance 1 and 2 is just, like, who is this person? Who is this random boss? Or what are you doing here? And, like, oh, this random person just jumped into the action. And, like, I 
forgot how fun that was to go through this world because mm-hmm. there's just so many crazy Marvel characters. And as a big Batman Superman fan, I'm so bummed that like we just never got the, this equivalent with DC, just this kind of fun parade party of just like, you know, who knows who's going to pop up next. And like maybe at this point you decide like, hey, I am literally just going to go Miles Morales, Spider-Gwen, Peter Parker, Venom. Let's go. That's yeah. it. I'm just for the whole rest. I don't care who pops in, you know. Uh, uh, Deadpool and get out of here. Just just spider people. Uh, it's awesome. The the tone I think and how like well they nailed it I think was a was a big surprise for me with Ultimate Alliance three. Like it's it's fun. Like they're having a good time with it and I feel like they're representing those characters pretty well. Yeah. Uh, in my experience with it. But uh, speaking of like teams, how much is are the team bonuses affecting your decision making? With Ultimate Alliance three, where that you... doesn't seem too prevalent. Like it's it's fun when those pop up because they some of those will introduce terminology. I'm like the Who team, what? Yeah, and I'll have to well, you Google. Get, you oh, get cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. different yeah. effects depending on who you. I mean, I, I I noticed that, and that was always the case in uh, uh, even back to the Legends. You know, it'd yeah. be like Blue Team. But you're, you're, like, you're oh, not finding that cool. the, like, that's something that you you've had to pay attention to or care about too much. It's something like this. I I purely go just off of aesthetic, just sure. who I enjoy. And there are some like. Some worlds, I'm like, nah, I'm going to stick to my team. And then sometimes, like, someone will jump in. I'm like, I kind of owe it to that person. If I'm on Wakanda, it's like, yeah, you should have Black Panther in your team. Like, And it's kind of fun when they introduce enemies. You're like, oh, his ability to leap and get at that you know, person on the other side of the screen actually helps for these specific enemy types. Mm. And so they do a, a pretty good job. But it's just, uh, I don't know, it's just such an entertaining campaign. It's just such a yeah. fun thing to run through. And, and they do a really good job of, like, having it... Like, for example, Wakanda, like, you get to Wakanda and, and, like, Black Panther's there, obviously, but, like, Storm is also there. And it's like, yes. oh, that's a character that makes sense, you know, to, you know, to, to bump into it at this juncture. It's kind of fun to see her and, like, Black Wait Panther What interact. is my chance of getting a Storm solo movie? Is that ever going to happen? Yeah. Well, hold on a second. <laughs> Blood is, like, Storm your favorite superhero? I think so. It could be. You have it. Well, the uh, one person asked. I mean, I definitely am big Batman. One person reached out and and said, "Do we want? We'll unpack that. Uh, uh, Can we pick something for them to draw? I think it was Zephyr Moon, maybe. And like, Mm -hmm. and you were like, "Oh, draw Storm." I remember that there is Bloodstorm lore. Yeah, I feel like I've encountered this before, but it's been such a long time. Storm is such a cool pick for favorite superhero. Blood. Have you played Marvel vs. Capcom? Storm is um, awesome <laughs> in Marvel vs. Capcom. Yeah, I haven't put a ton of time into this. Like okay. probably just like randomly oh, when people yeah. have had it. Now in the I want to do like <laughs> a Bloodworth Marvel vs. Capcom stream and like have you play Storm and then we can watch Justin Wong play Storm. But when you're talking about like right. those old uh, X Men Legends Ultimate Alliance, yeah, like yeah, Storm oh, yeah. was cool. definitely one I would always go for. That's and awesome. They, and it. They do a really good job, I think, of like following up Endgame in the last ten years of the MCU of like. You know, like we ah, there's Doctor Strange. Ah, we're going to Wakanda. Like ah, there's Winter Soldier. Like there's a lot of reminding us. Like it, it kind of follows the structure, but it's not trying to copy the MCU. And you get like Emma Bloodstone, which I was I've never never heard of that character before. And so it's fun to like go into this realm and like oh, there's Doctor Strange. And here's this other character you might not know about. Or it's kind of fun. You know, that we never did get that crossover in the MCU with Daredevil and Luke Cage and Jessica Jones and all that stuff. It would have been fun. You know, to have them you know show up in Endgame or at least be mentioned. So it's kind of fun like having them there you know and uh um i think it's just a fun celebration of of the series and can't believe it exists i can't believe it's exclusive to switch i can't believe they they pumped all of these different crazy characters in there and crossed all this over when people are freaking out about sony versus fox versus disney for you know like what are these people going to do with these properties and here's this game it's like they're all in it (laughs) like (laughs) it's doing what all of these other people wanted to do across tv and film and comics and everything i feel like 
a lot of us are kind of getting what we want from games. Like, it's kind of crazy how strange sometimes it feels like one ally is being catered to. Like, Huber's a great example. Like, the fact that the man is getting a Resident Evil 2 <laughs> is remake... Is Huber being catered to is the question <laughs> always in Easy Allies. The fact like, that he's what? getting, like, Resident Evil 2 remake and, yeah. and Shenmue 3 in the same year is crazy. But yeah. I feel like you're you're having a really good year as well. Like, the yeah. Switch, like, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 is, like, a game for you. Yeah. And you get Dragon Quest Builders 2. Now all you need is, like... Some sick out of nowhere Rockstar game exclusive to Switch, <laughs> and you were just a. It was really happy funny family. at the Game Awards. I was that guy in like the back right when Ultimate Alliance Three popped up. I started laughing. It's <laughs> like you got to be kidding me. Yeah, Because yeah. it pops up. It's like Switch. I'm like oh, okay, and then like yeah. Marvel. I'm like go on, and then like Guardians shows up. Like what's it? Oh, it's a weird Guardians game. I'm like well, Captain Marvel's here though. And then wait, wait, what? Um, yeah, so crazy. And it, you would, I would think also this, you know, that it would seem, especially in this gen, to like, no, let's reboot it. Let's go back to Ultimate Alliance. Let's like write this new lore. And so like, it's like, no, no, it's three. Like when Magneto yeah. shows up, like he's got gray hair. He's old. Like it kind of seems like, is this a sequel to two? Like I obviously shouldn't be thinking that hard, but um, it does kind of seem like it's built on a Marvel universe that's been around for a while. Mm-hmm. It's neat to see Scarlet Witch run up to Doctor Strange, and it's not like, who are you? It's like, Doctor Strange, we need your help. So like, you definitely get a sense like these people have been around for a while. and um, I think they could do a little bit more than that. I do miss and can't remember if there were fun, specific interactions between, like, if I, w- if I happen to pick the right character. It's interesting okay. to see cutscenes and have, like, a, you know, you know, like Black Widow run in. You're like, oh, was I supposed to bring her? Oh, okay. Like it chooses sometimes to be like, no, Hulk is here. And you're like, oh. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's just so much fun and just uh, easy game to pick up and, and put down. Brandon, I can't believe I didn't think of this question until now. And maybe you've already been asked it, but you're somebody who loves bows and arrows to not an odd degree, but like a lot. Like it's it's always like a go-to for you. Yeah. How do you feel about Hawkeye? Bossman's just breaking my balls about Hawkeye, man. He's like, he's like, oh, Hawkeye's in your party. I'm like, what? You, shouldn't you expect Hawkeye to be in my party? Of course. Uh, Wait, Cap and Hawkeye are always are you, in my party. Are you like, like inviting Bossman over in between baby sessions to play Ultimate Lance 3? Like when is it? Wh- no, it's, how, I, yeah, you have a very little social time with Bossman. <laughs> he still manages to fit in a little, <laughs> a little guilt there that I should somehow be harboring because I got like, no, I love it. He's great. The, yeah, the, the idea of Every Kyle... character has, like, one ability. You're like, yeah, okay. Cap has, like, a shield block that's, like, they just don't really think that out completely. It's like, yeah. you know, I can but maybe protect like I can protect myself with him. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. He's, he's, he's great. Um, yeah, every oh, they all have their little nuances. So, like, there's a couple things I wish uh, they would fix with Hawkeye. Like, his general attack will go from one side of the screen to the other, and some of his super abilities won't. It's like, mm. okay, <laughs> that's interesting. His big charged-up bow attack, like, doesn't go that far. Hmm. So it's not that practical to get super up close to someone as a ranged character to try to hit him. But he's got an AoE that's pretty nice, and um, it's fun. It's fun just aesthetically. If, when you have four people in your party for, like, a, a, a you know, a... Um, a, a gallery that that's dense of all those characters to pick. Like I'll bring in Spider Man just because he swings around. It's just yeah. kind of fun to see him do his thing, you know. Or or, or just like bring in like uh, Wolverine. Like I'm not going to play as Wolverine, but it's nice to have him there. Um, and uh, really excited for that second Wait, playthrough. What you're not going to play as Wolverine? I'm not going to switch to him like that much. It's like fun to have him in there kicking ass. Because mm. again, I'm, I'm much more of a like a range guy. Much more of like a flying dude running around. Yeah, chucking the shield as Cap. Breaking out the bow. I, I respect that you like Cyclops more than Wolverine, but I don't understand it. Yeah. I respect it. <laughs> I respect funny. it, but I don't understand it. Uh, the the idea of Kyle like making fun of somebody for liking or not liking, <laughs> especially to get like Ultimate Alliance. Like yeah. that's the point of Ultimate Alliance. Right. Well, just because like you know Kyle, he'll be like, oh, I don't. 
I don't like this character. And I'm like, why don't you like? The, why don't yeah. you like the character? And he's like, well, it's the wrong shade of blue. And it's like, what does that mean? Yeah. What's the well, right like, shade of you, blue? You remember I played Injustice Two a lot more than I was, you know, expecting to. And like Catwoman was my main. Imagine yeah. being upset by that. Imagine if I told you Catwoman was my main. You're like, oh, Catwoman is awesome in Injustice. She's really yeah. fun to play. Yeah. I I gravitated to Catwoman when I played Injustice. Yeah. But it's a fun. It doesn't mean anything in Ultimate Alliance to who you pick for whatever reason. Which is maybe like a fault of the game that like they're you know like sound bosses are better with ranged people, but it's like yeah. once you level them up enough, it's like not that big of a deal. Um, and so it's just fun to just be thinking like, yeah, sure, random character, come on on the team, get out of here, Doctor Strange, come on in Storm, let's go, let's run through Wakanda. Um, and it looks like good enough, mm. uh, you know. Like yeah. it, it. I was nervous that like uh, played the Iron Fist level at E three, and like they had one cool part which was. Um, there's a couple like like almost side-scrolling segments of the game so far. Yeah. So the camera like really pulled back, and I was like, oh, stylistically that's kind of fun. But I was like, oof, I wonder if, uh, if the frame rate's really gonna buckle in this game, or I wonder if um, there were some areas, especially in handheld, where it's like I have no idea where my character is. <laughs> like I know we're all doing our special abilities. Oh, there I am. Or when you switch to a character, you're like, oh, you know, Black Panther was over here. Got it. But um, I think they made it look just good enough. So when like they have some kind of larger-than-life characters, a big set-piece moments, it's like, oh. This is fun. I'm not like, you know, God of War, like in awe of what's happening right now. But like yeah. it represents scale enough to, I think, do the, the MCU justice or Man, do the Marvel justice. That would really blow my mind. Having having a Marvel Ultimate Alliance where you're in awe of it like you are just looking at God of War sometimes. Like, That's what Crystal gen. Dynamics is next hoping well, to achieve. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Fingers crossed. Um, but, I, but I wonder though I, I, playing that I think about yeah. that game a lot where I'm just like oh, ooh yeah. are they are, do they need to do that the, all this like the you know this super high fidelity that we get right. with these characters like is that detracting almost is right. it kind of fun to have I think that's have, a really good question Brandon I to do. just play around with Cap for a little bit and then let him go yeah. and then move on to something else yeah, versus yeah. like no 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 it's the Avengers and you're like I just don't like Thor I don't you know like <laughs> I'm not saying I don't but like as a player you'd be like I just don't really care about that original team I kind of want to play as Rocket or somebody else sure so it's just fun. To, a lot of characters in this game. It's fun to jump all around. Uh, a game that that I'm surprised that I'm bringing to Frame Trap uh, that that I've started over again uh, is The Witness. Oh, Ooh. yeah, The Witness. So nice. I played a very healthy amount of The Witness when it originally came out, and then just like, <laughs> and it happens now. Even it's it's nice kind of doing it again because like. I've forgotten enough where I'm still solving it, but it's also like, okay, I know I know what they're trying to get me to do because I've been through it before. And so it's it's nice actually revisiting it. I think it gives me an advantage that doesn't feel like I already know the solutions, but I'm not like struggling with it as much as I was the first time. And The Witness is a really fascinating game where I love it and I hate it at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's so gorgeous and it's so simple and the way that they they have the puzzles, it's like, okay, I, I kind of always know what I'm going to do. I'm like, I'm going up to the screen, I'm interacting with this thing, but how the screen interacts with the environment is like kind of magical. And there are these puzzles where you have to, the sun will, you have to be in this certain spot so the sun will like shine on this panel so it will show you where you need to trace the path. And if you trace the path correctly, you'll beat it and you'll move on to the next thing and it's like wow like they had to think of these puzzles first of all but then they had to like put it in this open world and make it so where if you're standing in this the this spot the sun from this engine will like shine down and just like 
really being impressed at the craft and, and how they put all of these pieces together is amazing. Um, and yeah, you just, you have those moments. What's great about The Witness is because there are so many puzzles, just puzzle after puzzle after puzzle after puzzle, you have a bunch of different types of moments. So you'll have moments where it's like, oh, this, this type of puzzle is really easy for me. And so I'm just breezing through and it's really good. Or this type of puzzle is really hard for me. And I feel like I'm struggling through every single one and then it's getting a little bit easier. And so that's nice. Well, and then you have the, the, I don't know if you call that in between, but there are the ones where, oh, I've solved a couple. So I think I understand this. And then they throw the next one at you and you're like, Wait. Wait. It wasn't. This wasn't the way to do these. Right. Where you don't even you, you doubt <laughs> the rule set that you've used to get to that point. Absolutely. Yeah. Hundred um, percent. And I, yeah, I think I really truly think the the witness is brilliant in a lot of ways. And um, I think what why I bounce off of the witness or why it's hard to play for long periods of time is there's kind of this disconnect to me where you're, you're in this world and you're exploring and there's definitely a story to piece together but a lot of it is just puzzle after puzzle after puzzle after puzzle after puzzle and I don't like that uh, I it, it's it's weird because you'll you'll kind of have those moments where you'll be struggling and you'll get through and then it's like okay I solved these five puzzles in a row and what I opened up is a series of five more puzzles right. and it's you, you do definitely have moments where it's kind of like, oh, I solved those puzzles and now I unlocked this new part of the world. Let's go over there and explore and see what that is. But <laughs> a lot of times it's just I solved this puzzle to, like, take ten steps and to do more puzzles. And the puzzles are great. Like I said, they're really, they're really genius. But I think this, like, just for me, I, I need something in between. Like, I need to have a conversation with somebody, mm-hmm. which is totally not the point of this game. But just just some sort of buffer sometimes, I think, between these puzzles because I find myself just getting, like, a little bit exhausted. And then it's like, okay, I did that for 30 minutes or an hour or whatever it was, and now I need to stop because, like, I can't do 20 more puzzles right now um, because it's it's kind of a, a nonstop onslaught. Amanda's huge puzzle fan, and she just got burnt. Yeah. Every time, like, it's, it's funny that you just kind of, like, you know, threw you know, witness at me because every now and then, you know, she'll be like, what was the game with the island and the charts? And I'm yeah. like, Witness. She's like, right. Yeah, I didn't want to finish that. And I'm yeah. like, I know. And I was really surprised. Like, I thought I thought that was going to be something that, uh, that you were going to, you know, even in your case where you'd come back to it later. And yeah. and that seems like a very tricky game from the from the brief bit of Witness that I played because that that, that game to me is oh, almost, like, step away from, almost yeah. like a puzzle game with an inventory that's in your brain. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like you're, you have the tools, but like none of that's just going to be there for you in the game. You got to carry it with you and right. cognitively actually like, you know, connect the dots literally. Yeah, it's it's interesting, and to the, the the credit of the witness, it's a game that never left me. Like I I would think about it sometimes, or cool. I would think about certain puzzles or whatever, because I run into this thing. I'll call it the Zelda dilemma, where like you even when you were describing uh, a mechanic in Rad, you're like, oh, it's a it's a spin slash, like like in Zelda. I have that happen all the time. Like, I'm pretty much playing games all the time, and it's, it's, there's always, like, something I can compare to something else, where it's like, 
oh, okay, like, you know, classic Zelda puzzle, right? Where it's like you have one lit torch and then an unlit torch. You clearly need to go and light the torch. And you have that moment all the time in games where it's like, well, based on, you know, my experience with platformers or action games or adventure games, I know that this thing needs to work this way because they're just copying from these other people, which is totally fine. Uh, But I think that's what's so special about The Witness is despite there being a ton of line puzzles, like the way that they're making you think and not only about the thing that's on the screen, but then the thing that's on the screen and then the environment, it's like I haven't ever really encountered something exactly like this. Like these puzzles are making me think in new ways, not just in comparison to other games, but within the witness itself, these sets of puzzles can feel so different despite coming from kind of like this main starting point. And so I think that's why this game, like, I, I just would keep thinking about it sometimes, and I'm like, ah, oh, man, I want to get back to that. Yeah, well, and I and I think, I mean, I think kind of ultimately what it comes down to is it's like, it's not, you know, we've seen so many, like, adventure games with puzzles in them, you know, like Zelda or, or right. whatever. We're like, this is not an adventure game with puzzles in it. This is a puzzle game. Right. This is a puzzle. Relentlessly so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and to the point where the part that blows my mind is the stuff that, like, you know, the way that some of the puzzles incorporate the world to the point where, like, this whole world, every part of this world has to work together (laughs) so that this thing works from this angle and this thing works from when you go on this, like, boat around the island and, like, this. And just, like, how the heck do you even fathom crafting it all? Like, it's just, I, I don't know. Yes, 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 yes. I really enjoyed social media when this game was popular, uh, just during the, like, the zeitgeist, because people would be like waiting for a train and would just see like a, a sequence of buildings in front of them and like take a picture and just post and be like, I got this. <laughs> like, they started start to solve it. Yeah. Uh, and that was like, it's a fun meme because you would, it's, you, you would have that happen in the world, and then you know if you're if that's kind of you know bleeding into you know reality, mm-hmm. then that's that that is a powerful. Uh, design structure. That's yes. like right. visually. That's the, he was definitely onto something. Yeah, and it, it's it's a game where there there are times where I need to take a picture of it with my phone and or or get out a pen and paper. Yes, and, yeah. and do it. And I I also really like that element of it as well. Um, just I don't know. There there aren't. I feel like with a lot of games, when you need to know something, you're just typing into a search bar yep. on your phone. And so to have a, a, a solution process that, that feels a little bit more mechanical, I, I, I guess it's just more satisfying. Like your brain is just working a little bit harder, yeah. uh, which is really, really cool. It like shakes up the notion of like skill, you yeah. know, like what, what, what tools I need to progress in this game. Right. If you like break out a you know, pen and paper and start to write it down, you're like, well, am I cheating? Right now? Right. <laughs> like, no, I guess I'm not. I guess it's right. like how I'm supposed to do this. But yeah. it's like now you're like, oh, damn, where's that piece of paper? I mean, you know, it's like yeah. it, it becomes attached to the game, this like, you know, tool that you're using in the real world. It's fun. Man, I would love to sit down with Jonathan Blow and realize how much more intelligent he is than me. But like I would love to have a conversation with him because there are there are so many moments where it's like, oh, like you thought of that. And I love in any video game I love those moments where it's like, I can't believe like you designed it in that way. That's so brilliant. I can't think of a better way to do that because in The Witness, like you have these screens that has the puzzle on it and you'll you'll be like 
70% of the way there, like, let's say you need to draw a path. And it's like, I know that this is like 70% right. I'm just not getting that last 30%. What it'll do is like, if you do the path and you get it wrong, like it, your line won't fade immediately. It won't just disappear. It will very, very slowly fade and you'll have, you know, a, a good healthy handful of seconds to be, to like look at it and just kind of burn it into your brain. So when you're doing it again, you, you already have that mentally mapped. And it's like, mm. that's so smart. It's genius that you didn't just immediately evaporate my line. Like that makes it easier to solve. And so, yeah, I, I love moments like that because you feel like the game is on your side then. And, and in a game where it's very easy to feel like an idiot, I think little touches like that are kind of like invisible, like, don't worry, like, keep going. Use what you, you had to, to, to push on ahead. And so, yeah, just a really cool, impressive game. Also, Blast from the Past, I wonder <laughs> if it's from the, that same time, I, I, hmm. maybe a little bit before, but you've been playing Bloodworth. Alien Isolation. Yeah, yeah. So uh-huh. we started, we started this at Easy Living, and I think I've had like one other night into it since then. Um, but yeah, this game is this game is nuts because I don't know. I mean, I I guess fear is part of it, but it's it's more in a way that's like it's it's stressful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's very very stressful because, um, and it's funny too because. Because I think when we've we've talked about it in the past, it's like the idea of streaming is like uh, it's kind of hard because like the alien doesn't show up for like three hours or whatever, and like and so you're starting and like when are we just, when are we gonna get to see the alien? Like the whole hook of this game is you know <laughs> yeah, getting to yeah. see the alien, and then once you see the alien, like I don't want to see this ever again. <laughs> right. Get away from me. Just go away. Um, but yeah, so it's 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 this sense of like just trying to find the path. To just get what you're trying to get done, and and mm-hmm. I, you know, and again, we were talking about in a lot of these games, you know, just that, you know, the, just the the entertainment you get out of exploring a space, you know, and and just the aesthetic that the the alien universe has or whatever, and 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 it's and trying to learn about the history and like, okay, what really went wrong? What's going on here? What are these story threads? But the game doesn't let you. Enjoy that. Right. <laughs> like you walk up to a terminal and you start reading or listening to audio log and then like yeah. right through the back, there's the alien. Like, okay. <laughs> even even to explore, like I've gotta like say is like, is this worth it? Is like going down this hallway to this spot that I know is a dead end, right? Is that going to be worth it when I can just like I can just get by right now and I can get back to a phone and save the game. Um, so yeah, so I, I think that's, you know, tricky. Yeah. Um, I, I, I always find that if you have a game where your one of your primary mechanics is you're pretty much being chased for a lot of it, uh, it's hard to do that in a way that, that is, that is fun and not tiring where, where it's like, or in the case of horror where that's consistently terrifying, how how are you finding that it, that it's holding up in Alien Isolation? Like, are are you finding that a satisfying process every time you have to deal with that creature? Um, so far, yeah. Uh, it's it's just kind of it's again it's just trying to figure out like what are my options and still figuring out like what can it do? Yeah. You know, like when you 
run into a vent and then it just grabs your legs before you're all the way in and like, yeah. okay, that doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and just this process of how do you outthink it and how do you like read because you have the motion tracker, but then you're like, is the motion, just, can it hear the motion tracker? Do I need to put the motion tracker down? And like, you know, and, and just questions like that. Yes. <laughs> uh, I, I feel like you're, so I, I reviewed Alien Isolation back at Game Trailers, and the alien, I think, a, a lot of times is, is the most interesting part because of what you're describing where you're, you're having to deal with all these things, and you're like, how intelligent is this thing? And you're, you kind of get surprised by it. And so it doesn't feel like you're dealing with a normal video game enemy, like it feels more capable than that. And so I think that's why, like, the androids, for instance... Like, they're just not as interesting. And so they're just, like, not as much fun to interact with or deal with or, or get through. They, they feel more like like a, like a traditional road, roadblock. And so I think that was something that was frustrating with Alien Isolation where it's, like, I, I remember, like, especially early on with the, the Alien was, like, my favorite part of that game. Um, how, are you, how are you feeling about the parts of the game that, that don't have to do with the Alien? Um, they've been all right. I've definitely... Yeah, I've definitely had some frustrations with the androids just because, again, it's just, can can I take you out? You know, right. like, because you sort of get this feeling, oh, like, they're giving me these tools, right? Like, they're giving me these, this EMP, and they're right. giving me, I've got a gun. I'm not sure yet why I have a gun. <laughs> it doesn't seem to do me any good. It just gets me in trouble every time. Uh, and the same thing with, like, the melee, you know, uh, weapon and she's like I, I guess this can sort of get me out of the way but usually not mm. usually like they'll just grab it and it's like nope uh, so but yeah so I, I think that I think one of the yeah I think one of the difficulties is when you get into those situations where you're just sort of you're just looping through the same motions because okay well I've got to yeah. hit these switches and then an android wakes up, and I've got to wait for the android to walk to the other side of the room. And then, okay, I can come back over here, and I can hack this thing. And then, I okay, now now I can actually start working my way out of here. And then, oh, hey, look, there's the alien. It's an event. And, okay, start it again. Open this thing. Open that thing. Here goes the android. Wait for the android. So that's where, yeah, I think it can kind of become yes, a blood, little bit yes. because you're just you're just watching. <laughs> you're this getting their blood routine, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Rather than with the alien, it feels a lot more unpredictable. Sure, definitely. Um, something I remember really sticking out uh, when I reviewed Alien is is how good it looked and, and how well it captured the alien aesthetic, um, just with the lighting and the interior of the ship and all of that. Uh, haven't played it since then. Do, are, how are you finding it holds up visually? I think it holds up pretty well. I think the m- one of the bigger disappointments is just there can be a little bit of clipping at times. Hmm. And so I'll be hiding in a locker and the alien will come up to it and the alien's face will kind of come through the locker <laughs> oh, for a second before you see the animation where it's like sniffing at you. And so I was like, oh. Yeah, I, I definitely remember... <sighs> experiences like that and it's it's always hard right because you you have the alien and it can be so intelligent and it can genuinely surprise you and so when you see it being dumb or or it's just something graphically not looking right it it just sticks out that much more because you're like oh it's like seeing behind the curtain at oz you know like yeah 
But uh, cool. Uh, so where where are you at with Alien Isolation? Like how how far in are you? It's kind of a lengthy game. Yeah, I don't know. I guess around six or seven hours into it. Okay. Like not super far. Um, I'm trying. It's been a it's been a few nights since I played it, so I'm trying to remember like what the the area that I'm getting into is now. But I've definitely like I went through the whole medical area which was kind of like the first big spot. And I remember there being uh, like some kind of explosion or something they had to run away from uh, and then got back into, oh yeah, they got back into like the central terminal and had to kind of wait out some guys that were creeping around and then take a shuttle somewhere else. But yeah, I don't remember exactly the spot I'm, I'm hanging out in right now. Man, that's a game I wouldn't, I really wouldn't mind revisiting. Mm-hmm. For sure, uh, but how long to be? I just double checked. I was like, "Yeah, I remember that game being like longer than I expected." Yeah. And it is. It's it's about nineteen hours. Okay, according according to that website. So, but how long to beat? Cannot tell you one thing, Bloodworth, about Alien Isolation, but about this in particular. When the Hotake oh, is coming, <laughs> that didn't quite make sense, but we got there. We got there with the Hotake. Um. <sighs> I've been thinking a lot about the next generation. Pretty much every time I do a frame trap, mm. like I have a next generation Hotake lined up just because it's on the mind. I've been thinking about it. And I, I, it's always interesting to see how games evolve from generation to generation and how that it colors what you expect out of the next generation. So if I look at the, the 360 and PS3 era, it's game updates. It's, pa- it's uh DLC, it's it's that sort of thing. Things that got really normalized. It's it's buying things digitally. I think of last generation. For this generation, kind of like the dominant thing that I'm thinking of is ongoing games. Yeah. Um, and, and games that dramatically change, sometimes like completely transform throughout the course of their life. And how that, in my mind, how that kind of butts up against like what we expect out of a next generation, because if we, if we kind of go back to a classic idea of next generation, it's like, we're done with all that. We have all this new power. We're going to play new things. We're going to get bigger and better sequels. We're going to get new ideas that we've never had before. And kind of with these, these ongoing games, that mentality doesn't really fit. And I think for a lot of people, they may be heavily invested in something. They may yeah. be heavily invested in an ongoing game and it will change the types of games that they purchase in the future or how they play games. So like Dauntless is a really good example for me. Dauntless is a, is, is a, a monster hunter style game that I dabbled in, but felt like reluctant to like really get into because it's like Iceborne is on along the way. Like I'm already so invested in monster hunter world. Yeah. Why would I play Dauntless? Even though it's free and you know, all of that, it's like, I've got my Monster Hunter thing. And I think that happens for a lot of people. Yeah, well, yeah, it's essentially the same dilemma that, you know, people have trying to be the next WoW. Right. You know, it's like right. there are all of these other MMOs, but, you know, does any any of them really have the population? Right. And I, I think about kind of that MMO time, and you you get the conversations of, like, is this going to be the next WoW killer? Um, but I think what was different about the MMO time is, like, a lot of MMOs would come out and then quickly fail. Whereas a lot of these ongoing games are extremely successful. Like, they have very healthy communities. Like, The Division 2 is, is kicking, you yeah. know? Um, Destiny, Rainbow Six. Right, yeah. Rainbow Six. Like, you, there are countless examples of, of things that are alive and well and, and have strong communities. And so 
this is all a very long-winded way of asking the question of how do you think that will impact the next generation both for yourself and for consumers as a whole? And I guess maybe, Brandon, in a way to personalize it is like you were very into Fortnite. Yeah. Like do you, do you imagine you'll still be playing Fortnite or, or other games uh, as opposed to maybe checking out like new things? Like do you think these ongoing services will – dictate the readiness with which you you check out new next generation stuff um yeah i think i think what's smart and ultimately what um attracted me to fortnite was um i think they did give us like the the launch package or whatever so but like a lot of that's a lot of the best stuff in in fortnite is free to play warframe is a game that i've always been like so close to playing you know and like uh it does look really interesting and it looks like you know um uh What's what's interesting too about this last gen, um, not to bring this into it because I talk about this game all the time, but uh, I've been like crazy addicted to Galaxy of Heroes and like there's a lot of like mobile um, ideology that these games have kind of adopted. This idea yeah. of like we want you to come in, we want you, we want it to be beneficial for you to keep playing this game. And um, so I'm playing this Star Wars like turn based game. And to be honest, like it fascinates me that like the actual moment to moment gameplay every day isn't really what excites me. It's just the investment. Like I've already like put in so much time and we've got a guild. And um, so it's really like kind of these big more like, like tentpole events that keep it exciting and not necessarily like the day-to-day fun. It's kind of how right. I felt in like well, my Animal he- Crossing. Uh, yeah. And like my, know, my heaviest going around period, shaking trees every day. My yeah. heaviest period of Warcraft play, like during Lich King and, and Cataclysm where I'm really questioning like, am I having fun right now? <laughs> or is this, or am I right. just so into this that I can't stop I got to do every absolutely every single aspect of it. And so what's fascinating kind of reminds me also another interesting tangent is us. You know, like you look at like Warframe trying to, you know, to make it happen in this huge expansive space and you look at us. Having their own convention. You know, EZA like, you know, and and realizing there are like so many people that do what we do that talk about games that, you know, cover gaming news and how how much can we get by just with the small community that we have mm-hmm. and just you know, meeting their expectations, you know, having them talk about the future and, and being small enough that we can adjust what we're doing kind of month to month, you know. Uh, so it's interesting seeing something like Fortnite, which almost has like a new announcement every month versus something like Monster Hunter, which Iceborne is a much bigger deal. Like right. this is going to last us the entire year. And so it's interesting as we move into the next gen, that is like the question for me is like, oh, we have this new, you know, update, Grand Theft Auto Online. You know, we're like, how often do they update? How significant is that update? Even though it is free, there is some stuff in there that you do have to purchase. And so um, I think that's kind of the biggest question is like, how often does this game update? How significant is that? And how much of demand is there for me to like keep up with that to even just get involved? If I walk away for like six months and come back, am I like out now or... Am I just? Oh no, I'm a little bit behind. And um, 14 has been interesting that way. To, to you know, to have like Damiani who's super in it, and then like Brad who's not as much, but yeah. and and kind of getting a, a a sense by how they talk about it. How hard is it for Brad to keep up with Damiani? Right. Uh, yeah, man. Th- there's so many things like that now where it it kind of just used to be MMOs for me, where it was like. Oh man, I I haven't played this in six months. It's a totally different game now. It, now a lot of things feel like that. Yeah, uh, which is which is very weird, um, and and can be kind of isolating at times. But um, blood, a question to you uh, is like a, a lot of these games are heavily monetized in the sense that like they find new ways for you to spend money uh, throughout the course of their life, and I think 
just as a player, if you if you buy into that super hard, like w- w- let's say you're like I, this is this is my game, man. Like mm-hmm. uh, I'm gonna buy all the costumes, all the colors, whatever whatever it is, however they monetize. Like when next gen rolls around, if you've already done that, and I think with more games being a service, like let's say you do that a couple of times, maybe there's three games that you go really hard on. If more games keep doing that. Like, do you eventually reach your point where you're like, no, I've I've seen it, I've done it? Sure. I mean, well, I think one of the things too, you know, I I think that all of the the noise and stuff that finally got PlayStation to cave with the crossplay and the cross save stuff um, that's coming to more and more games. Like, I think that's like the stepping stone for where next gen is going to be because these games aren't going anywhere. Right. You want people to play them on your new hardware. You've got to make it as easy as possible to, you know, play the same games that they've already been playing. Right. But I guess the, the question for next gen, like, let's say you have something like Rainbow Six Siege. Yeah. Where you can spend money on operators and stuff. Uh, like, at what point going to, like, do you just make Rainbow Six Siege available to play on PS5 and you just keep updating you've that? You've got to. Or... Like, you've got to at, yeah, at some level, yeah. Yeah, but, like, where, where is the math? Like, what's the table of, like, it's better for us to make a brand new game and try to, you know, get I a I mean, I think the math people. is yeah. how much are people still spending on, on a regular, right, yeah. Right, you know, exactly. Just, yeah. How, how healthy is the community in general? Yeah, but it's, it's just such an interesting question to me because, but like... I, I do think that it, it raises a the the question that makes me wonder is, well, do I have to buy Rainbow Six Siege again? Right. On the PlayStation Five. Right. You know, that's where people are going to be like, eh, you know. But I, at the same time, it almost makes me wonder if it's like a sports game. I was like, well, yeah, of course. I'm gonna. I've already put hundreds of dollars into the operators and everything else. So yeah, what's another sixty bucks just to play it on my new system so I don't have to plug in my ps4 anymore uh it's just a a hard dilemma for me because it's like as on one hand it's really great now that if you buy into a game that like there's there's a pretty good chance that it's going to be supported like it was really awesome going to evo and being like man every major game here like has some like dlc that it's getting it has it has Mm -hmm. some future ahead of it it's not like it's a dead game. Like, there's more coming for all of these games. I love that. But then on the other hand, it's like, what is the cost of just, like, continually updating this thing? Like, if they didn't do that, like, if we weren't in this time, would we be getting, like, new ideas? Like, would, would those teams go on to make other things? Like, how is that – is that impacting development of different games or not? And, like, how will that shape next generation? Like – I, I don't know. I, I wonder if, like, how the resources are allocated, I guess. Yeah. I have an interesting example. Halo Infinite. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is that game going to be? Game <laughs> yeah. You know, they hear this is technically Halo 6, but it's mm-hmm. like that series very much moved away from that now. You know, and, like, I think the last two, at least for me, like, having played 1, 2, and 3 and loving them, like, the campaigns in 4 or 5 just didn't sell me. Like, just, I wasn't like, oh, I have to get engaged. I must, you know, my, these characters I love, you know, it's like, it just wasn't, you know, had lost that significance. And so there's very little about Halo Infinite that looks interesting to me from a story perspective in terms of, like, what should 
grab you if I'm going to play WoW or DC Universe Online, which is on Switch now, uh, of like, you already love this property, you love this world, come back. Are you going really, play DC Universe Online on Switch? It's tempting. <laughs> it's so dumb, but it's, it's, I never did. I never really jumped into that world. I play a lot of City of Heroes. And so I was, you know, played Star Wars, Old Republic. I think Old Republic was like the death knell of my MMO life. I think that was like the last game. I really like got a character to like 30. And they're yeah. just like, or, and 14, I, I gave another shot. Um, but... Um, Tangent again. The madness is is, is filtering in. I'm, I'm getting loopy. I can't remember specifically where I was going to land with this. But you're talking uh, about Halo Infinite. Uh, oh yes, just in terms of like what it that this model that you're talking about is taking over the Halo series. So it's right. like these you know three four three is realizing like well how do we um, how do we make this feel like the older games but have this be something that we're really going to to keep investing in. Different, I think from. I guess maybe Siege like evolved into that, you know, so you have something, you know, they're approaching Halo trying to make Siege, whereas like Siege maybe, you know, they they hadn't didn't necessarily realize it was going to be as big as it was. Kind of like Fortnite. They're just like, whoa, a, let's ride this wave as long as we can. That's a frustrating proposition as well, because <clears throat> it, it can be really hard, I think, for an audience to take a property and then try to bolt it on to like modern trends so i i don't know what halo infinite is going to be i'm just saying theoretically like if it becomes this like ongoing live service game i can i can imagine people being frustrated about that or 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 having it because they they know halo to be something different or maybe their their deepest memories of halo are something different than where it's trying to go now and so like i almost wonder if it's better to like try to make a new thing like like is it is it always the right answer to use this established IP? Like, I, I don't remember exactly what type of game it is. I think it was an idle game, but they were advertising, like, a Metal Slug idle game. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I can't think of anything, like, less appropriate for an idle game than, like, Metal Slug. It was just some, some mobile advertisement that, like, very much wasn't this because it's like... When you think of Metal Slug, you think of chaos, you think yeah, of yeah. action, you think of explosions, and it was just like, really, like what? What are you doing? Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't remember exactly what the game was, but it was kind of that sensation of like, are you not just making the people upset that care about this thing? Yeah. at a certain point. And I think it's a, a it's a tricky proposition. It's a it's a tough uh, problem to solve. And I think it'll be fascinating once we get more details about Infinite to see what the team determined. Because yeah. I imagine they looked yeah. at a lot of different games in terms of like, okay, what are you know, how are we going to move forward with this, and um, how long do we expect people? Because it's interesting to compare something like Halo to Call of Duty, where they did Battle Royale, they're adding some other some really cool stuff with uh, you know Modern Warfare coming back, but they got to be back the next year with something else. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, so yeah, that was always thing is like Call of Duty is still like, well, we got to put out that sixty dollar package every yeah. year. So Blackout, even though they're yeah. like season passes until the moment that happens like yeah. here's the next set of maps while we're already promoting the next game i'm like okay yeah where infinite doesn't seem like it's going to be replaced in a year so it's like how elaborate is this going to be yeah. how much of this is going to be my journey as opposed to master chief's journey as opposed to me playing a very specific campaign versus the story i write for myself um i guess hmm. i i feel like i would be a little bummed if like Within the first six months of me having my PlayStation 5 or new Xbox or, or whatever, if it's just like on my dashboard, it's just like a bunch of 
games that I had already been playing for years on the last generation systems. It's right. like big new PS5 update. It's yeah. like that's just not as exciting as like I don't know, like like a, a brand new game. Right. Like, this, like this was this was our big bold new idea for the next generation. Yeah. If it's they remaster Red Dead Redemption Two for the PS5, I'm gonna be like, well. <laughs> I'm playing that again. Yeah, you're <laughs> like, playing that again, but it's like exciting things that could be checking mm-hmm. out. Like, I can imagine like, they'll be like, ah! hey, here's our new Red Dead Online update. Yeah. Like, on, check on, it out. on one hand, that's cool, like, mm-hmm. but I, I just don't want that yeah. to come up the cost of, of brand new games. And they have to do what makes money, of course. Yep. Right? And like, clearly, and I think, but we talked about Battle Royale. We're like, everyone's going to do it. And like, that didn't really happen. Like, some, some fun, creative people did it. And there are a lot of them, certainly. But like, it didn't seem like. We talked about it in a way where, like, you're an imbecile if you don't do this, where mm. this seems a little bit more likely that every company is going to be like, what's ours? What yeah. What is our franchise we can turn this into and have that be what this is, you know? Um, which which does kind of make sense to me if you have a company as big as, like, a Capcom or an EA. It's like, maybe you should have that one thing that you are kind of contributing to every year and evolving and a, a big project you're sustaining and not just necessarily something that, like... I'll get excited about, especially multiplayer, where it's like, oh, I'm really excited to be a part of this community. And then six months later, like, you're out. There's no reason that they're all gone. They're on to something else. Right. It's kind of nice to, like, come back three years later and, like, people are still here. They're still playing. Hmm. I admit that's what I miss about MMOs. You, you said MMO time, and I got real sad. I was like, oh, yeah, there was, like, the golden age. <laughs> like, we're, right. we're not going back there. It's not right. – we're not coming back. It can't sustain. These worlds were too big. You know, it's got to be – it it fancier man it's the mm there's gonna be more ads the <laughs> MMO time was so interesting because it was like okay we're we're exactly like the other guys in all of these other ways except for like this one thing yeah that 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 was how they would they would hook it and like even the old republic like the old republic has a lot of wow in it but it's like wait 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 look at our cutscenes guys like yeah. these these are way more elaborate than than what Blizzard is doing um, but yeah I I don't know I think. Going back to Anthem is a really good thing where, like, I just – I think people can smell it now. Like, I think people can smell when your game is more of how is this, like, commercially viable versus, like, actually good quality product. And, like, I I think especially after something like Anthem, I think people's – or my own tolerance, I guess – is just like a lot lower, and so I don't I don't want to have these new consoles come out and have people like jump on these trends, these games as service things. Like I, like I'm already tired of it, and if we have a whole nother generation of it, mm. like that's gonna be too much, right? Like I I was talking, uh, my girlfriend plays mobile games primarily, and. It got me thinking about mobile games, and I was just like, I just can't get excited about mobile games anymore because I've seen the structure of log in, get a daily bonus, here are timed objectives, right. you have this much stamina to do whatever you want. Like, there, There's like hundreds of games that just use that exact blueprint, and it's like I hardly check out this ecosystem because of that, like, it's just like I download something and it's like, oh, this, this is a cool idea, but it's just it's the exact same format again and again and again, like play every day and you get slightly better rewards. I don't want that to happen to console games where it, it feels like everything is just kind of following the same template and yeah. it's just slightly changed. Well, nobody gave Anthem any slack. I mean, that didn't work out and 
we let EA know it. <laughs> like, right. So it's good to know that like when these projects don't work out, people aren't going to play them like just because. You know, it's like right. no, people are really gonna they're they're going to be tough customers, and it's it's tough to get somebody that committed. But you what, know. like, what lessons did we learn? Was it like, oh, that's, hey, people that's are why sick Infinite of it. is fascinating, right? <laughs> you know, it's like, will we be able to tell? Right. You know, will we see? Will we see the anti anthem inside of you know Infinite? Is the, um, is the anthem lesson just learned. like, hey, this was clearly like not fully thought out and and whatever, or is it we didn't monetize the right way? Like, is that the lesson that? Yeah, I don't know. Or we didn't. We didn't. Jump on this structure in the in the career. What is like, the true lesson versus what are the what's the lesson EA thinks thinks they right. learned? Right, are two different answers. Right, exactly. Because <laughs> like um, Crush Team Racing Nitro Field is kind of going through its own controversy with yeah. like how they've they've added microtransactions yeah. down the line, and it's like <laughs> it's it's just maddening because it, you almost feel like you got. Like, like somebody just pulled the rug out from under you because from Activision, you had the Insane Trilogy, which everybody loved. It's like, hey, you brought this, yeah. this series back in the best possible way. Right. And we had Spyro Reignited, and then we had Crash Team Racing. And then, like, now that you've built up all of this goodwill, now you're injecting all this stuff. Right. And it's like it's like what they're – like, Activision is, ev- is evolving, and they're just – they they keep trying to do the same thing, which is nickel and dime you to death. But rather than like people pushing back and then being like, "Oh, okay, we won't do that," what they're doing is they're just evolving and getting better at at timing it at exactly the right well, moment. Well, the same right. thing is happening with Call of Duty, right? right? Like you get like a month or two without the microtransactions, and then here they are. Right. Exactly. Now that nobody's talking about this stuff anymore, you know. Right, and obviously, like people will comment in on a little bit, but because it's not happening out the gate you're not getting a ton of yeah. conversation you're not getting and these lengthy articles. the flip side of what's annoying about that is everything that was great about crash team racing is still great right it's all still there you can still play that game the way you played would have played it before the microtransactions come out it's just that happens and then it just seeps into your mind that like oh right. they're trying to get me they are yeah, yeah. and like <laughs> i can't get over this feeling when it comes to video games, because video games, right, ideally, and have been probably in your life and in your life and in everybody's life, that thing where you don't have that feeling. You don't feel like it's trying to get you. Video games are something where you just go and you have fun and you don't think about it. And so once that gets inserted, like, oh, they're trying to get me, it just kind of sours you on the whole damn thing. Oh, I don't know. This is why I don't have a soul, Ben. You know it. You know where I'm coming from. You know what I'm going to say, Ben. And that's just me. I don't know. There's something about... There's something about when I'm playing a game and the game's like, cool, cool. What you just do is neat. Cool. Hey, have you heard about it? I'm like, no, you're not going to get me. Like, nice yeah. try. Yes. I, I, I I, don't know. It always kind of puts a little smile on my face when I'm like, oh, yeah, that was good. You almost got me there. Oh, that's the point where I don't care anymore. You know, where like, you play some free-to-play game or you play something and like, oh, I'm having fun. And then the second I'm not, it's like, bye. Yeah. You know, and I, I, it's, it's fascinating to me to see how long that'll last and to see what when a game gets ugly or um, somebody recommended like the Battle Cats to me on mobile and I was like oh okay it was a little tower defense game and um, this was like the, one of the most ad heavy games I've ever played in my life and I'm like oh this is I don't play a lot of games that are this bad you yeah. know with just like whoa I can't just wade through all of the gross gross marketing Brandon I think I think that's a good point that you bring up and I think it is valuable to kind of take a step back and be like well you know hey like how bad is this or like you don't have to engage with it um but I, I, I guess 
when I think about it, the perspective isn't like this individual example. Like any game, it's like, okay, like Crash Team Racing, right? It's like, this is gross that they did this, but like I'm just going to play the game and have fun. I'm, I'm not going to pay attention to it. It's like with, with me and advertising where like I don't hate ads on their own. It's just like when you're consuming something and you feel like it's just the, the barrage. And yeah. so it's like the more that things do it, the more that that increases in volume. It's not even like that I'm worried about getting sucked in or spending too much money or falling victim to it. It's just like, it's just kind of like, just shut up. Like, I get it. Yes. Like when everything is doing it, it just becomes this wall of white noise. And you're just like, please just shut up. I don't know. You know, and, and, and the more that it is, the harder it feels like it is to turn it off. And I'm not, yeah, I'm not saying I can stomach it because what they're doing isn't gross. It's super gross. Yeah. I just feel strangely empowered as a consumer when these things pop up and I realize like, oh, I don't have to buy your nonsense. Like <laughs> you packaged it in a way that like you would think, of course, naturally I would, but like I don't, you know? So I guess that's kind of why I feel happy in those moments. Cause I realize like, ha ha ha, right. nice try. You almost got me super close. Maybe, maybe to, to wrap this conversation up, is it, <laughs> is it going to just get worse? Quote unquote. It, it, I mean, to an extent, but at the same time, it's like there is, there's definitely going to be a limit to what people, people will put up with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just as we're seeing with a lot of things, like when you cross that line and like you get a lot of angry people, you know, definitely what I will, what I will say though, in, in argument to that is the line is always changing, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I remember the release of downloadable content and and feeling like oh oh man like every single time the conversation of dlc comes up people get angry about it like people do not like this mm-hmm. you that doesn't that does like that, that just does not happen anymore like dlc is expected <laughs> it's weird if you don't have dlc and so that line shifted and so i mm-hmm. wonder if the line for this is shifting now and so what's, what's angering us now in 2019 sure. How, what, what sort of arguments, what sort of things are we going to be fighting about in 2025? I don't know. Hmm. Are we ready for some emails? Yeah. 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 Uh, this one is a bit of a long one, but I, I really like it. I think, it's, I think it's a good one to start us off here. It's about how to get a significant other into gaming. Just some questions. Nice. Uh, which is cool. I forgot my iPad, and so I'm, like, using my phone for everything, so it takes me, like, a little bit to switch between stuff. But Kareem asks, Hello, allies. I know these emails get a little long-winded, but before I ask my question, I want to say something. For a long time, I didn't have any friends as passionate as our community is about games. For most of my life, Game Trailer Days included, you guys have enabled my passion to continue to burn bright in the best and worst of times. Without the allies, I don't think I would have had the determination to pursue a career in gaming. Because of you, I now have a career at Ubisoft, Wow. as a production coordinator awesome. and have now made friends who love games. Yes. So from the bottom of my, of my heart, with the utmost love and respect, I say thank you. I thought that was really, really cool. Congratulations. Yeah. Feels good. Uh, now for the question. I am now at the beginning of my first serious relationship. I really like this girl and can see myself spending the rest of my life with her. The problem is she has never played video games. I want to make sure I bring her on board without scaring her away or boring her to death. My dream is to one day have two TVs right next to each other where we can play co-op campaigns together until we're gray and old. So I'd like to ask, how would you recommend I introduce her to gaming 
And what games would you recommend? If you don't mind sharing what your experience is playing games with your partners, don't mind sharing that experience. Were you the ones to introduce them to games? Do they still play games? And if not, what's it like to be in a relationship with someone who doesn't? Uh, I was thinking of either giving her the controller and watching her play Super Mario Odyssey. It's fun and easy to get the hang of. Playing through a narrative-based game together like Until Dawn or Detroit Become Human. Having her watch me play something exciting like Resident Evil 2 or story-driven like The Last of Us. Love and respect, Kareem. Um, yeah, I mean, Until Dawn's, I think, a good a good call. <laughs> yes. uh, because I think there's a lot of uh, touch points there that are easy to get familiar with. So all the slasher fix and, and that kind of thing. So if they like those kinds of movies, it's an easy, you know, turning point. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I'd say try to start with this, you know, quote unquote simpler stuff to where you don't have to learn every button on a controller, mm. uh, side scrollers and things like that. And then also, you know, introduce different different genres and you know because you don't know what exactly is, is going to hit, you know, like different people have different tastes. And so some, right. some people are going to love Animal Crossing, other people is going to bore them to death. Right. It's, there's, you know, and... I'll, and you just don't have to hang out with those people. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of people, you know, but at the same time, like a lot of the times, like, oh, you wouldn't think, you know, you like, you like can put yourself, like create these blocks that don't really exist, right? It's like, oh, they're not going to like fighting games or they're not going to like shooters or like right. whatever. And you don't know that. You right. don't know that until like you give them the chance to get comfortable with dual analog or whatever that thing might be, yeah. you know, or to get them into, they're just in the, into the story well enough that, hey, I, I, I want to see what is going to happen to Joel and Ellie. And so I'm going to, figure out how these controls work even if I play this same section 30 times before you know I get through it you know it's just there's just so many factors to like when you're saying somebody's like a blank slate like I don't you've you've just got to try to like it's almost like you know taking somebody out out to dinner it's like you've got to try all the different foods <laughs> before you find the foods that they like I like that video game <laughs> dinner um so this, this has been an ongoing journey in my own life. Um, and very early on in, in the relationship with my girlfriend, it was like most things I showed her, she just wasn't interested in because I'd be like, oh, I think this is really cool. Let's try this. Or like, like Red Dead Redemption. Like she was just bored to tears of Red Dead Redemption. I was like, how? This, <laughs> look at it. It's so good. And I was just, I was obsessed with that game at that point and it just didn't work. But then like, Plants vs. Zombies. She played that for years. Love that. And so what, what I've learned is, like, just show them, like, like give them options and be like, what looks interesting to you? Why does that look interesting? Because, um, like, Pikmin ended up becoming one of our favorite series. Mm. And so played nice. all the Pikmin games, and that was really wonderful. And then, she's, and then like, SteamWorld Dig. She's, she's like, I really love, you know, kind of, like, funny, cute, colorful games. And so, like... I, I think just asking them, like, hey, what are you into? Yeah. And and then going from there. Like, just, just listen to them, and they, they'll point you in the right direction. But sometimes you get you get weird things. So, like, Abby, I've never met somebody that dislikes horror as much as Abby in my life. <laughs> but The Evil Within 2 was, like, one of our favorite gameplay experiences. I still don't understand it. Right. I still don't understand it. But. Well, yeah, with my wife, um, she... Really, really got addicted to Medal of Honor Frontline. 
She was able to like <laughs> awesome. get into the sniper rifles and things like that, and then just I, and also an old game. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that was back then. Back then. Oh, yeah. I see. I see. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then you know, but she—I don't know how many times she's actually played all the way through it. And there are even times where she starts, you know, like getting nostalgic, like maybe we can hook up like front lights. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know? But the funny thing is, is like we've had a lot of those experiences early on, where like she watched me play through Zelda or Chrono Cross or something like that. Um, but nowadays, it doesn't really have it that much. Like we're yeah. just content, you know, like. You know, I'll, I'll be playing games, and maybe she'll play something on her iPad or whatever. But it's like, it's not something where like, it's like, oh, because I'm into this, like, she has to be into it too. Like yes. sometimes it's it's fine for just being into different things. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, I think like everything that that Amanda and I enjoy, uh, we found out just naturally because it was like, oh, you're into that. Oh, I'm into that. Okay, cool. Then we can be into that together. Like, there's nothing out of obligation. There's nothing that, you know, like sometimes for work, I'm like, hey, I need a co-op partner. You have 10 minutes. But like, it's, um, so I think it's actually more interesting to give your partner the tools, you know, because you can either just kind of throw games at them and see what happens, or it might be really important to you that like, this hobby's really, you know, means a lot to me. I would love it if you were involved. No pressure, but it's, so it's, to, I think it actually might be more important to pick up on the cues that they're not having fun as opposed because you're not you're like it's going to be obvious if they yeah. find you know like Plants for Zombies or whatever if they find something that they like yeah. where I can imagine it can be kind of stressful if you're in a new relationship and your partner's really into games and then they're showing you a game and you're like how do I get out of this like how do I I can tell like oh no it's you know Ben really likes Red Dead Redemption like how do right. I like Ben I just don't like this right. and you're like oh okay like yeah. so you pick that up as the person introducing it you've given them the tools to tell you that this just isn't kind of my thing. I'm just not going to be interested in that. Uh, my heartbreaking one for Amanda is turn-based RPGs. I'm like, oh. yeah. <laughs> you know, Turn-based like, RPGs are, are hard to do. Like Pokemon, like, let, you know, like, let's yeah. let's go Pikachu. I was like, hey, you might be in a Pokemon. She's like, this is boring. I'm like, it is. <laughs> like, I'm not saying it's not. Going in and get, you know, running through the grass 25 billion more times to get that one Pokemon. I love it. Uh, it's so important to me. I will do it for hours. But she's just like, just not interesting to me at all. And I'm like, I, they're cute, but I get it. I get it. Brandon, <laughs> I feel like I feel like I'm commiserating with you because like Abby also thinks Pokemon is like the most boring thing in the world. Right. And that's but yeah, like fantastic. when Animal Crossing drops in March, it'll be an event. And yeah. I was like builders right now. Like, oh, uh-huh. so yeah. good. That's awesome. Oh, so it, good. It was funny too because. Um, when I had started Alien back up, yeah. you know, I was like, hey, come and put, put on some headphones. Like, I want you to, like, just check this out for a second. And I was surprised by, like, how long, like, she just stuck around and watched yeah. me dying yeah. over and over in the same yeah. areas. I'm like, you're still, you're still here? Okay, cool. Um, so you want to give them those lifelines. Like, like, it's okay to bail on this if you need to. Like, if you're not into this, don't be playing this just because you think I will like you better if you are. Exactly. Or exactly. you're just trying to make me happy. Like... You know, yeah, play what you want to play. Exactly. Do not get disappointed if they're not into it. Like, yeah. That's, that you, is fine. It's almost guaranteed. There, yeah. There's going to be at least one thing that means a lot to you that they're like, eh, no. The hardest thing for me to get over, more, more than like not liking stuff, was like, so Plants vs. Zombies. She played Plants vs. Zombies 1 and then 2. That was like the only thing she played for like four years. Right. I was like, how... <laughs> How do you only play one game? Yeah. Like, Plants vs. Zombies is cool. Yeah. I don't know if it's four years cool. And I ju- that's totally fine. That was just that was just her yeah. method. But that, that was, like, it. She was, like, good. She didn't need anything else. Yeah, we went through a lot of Plants vs. Zombies. We went through a lot of FTL. What? Yeah. yeah. 
my my Steam account, like the hours on those are just yeah. way skewed because of how much those games got played. Amanda plays Hearthstone every single day, ever yeah. since the launch of that just game. Very just very different. Doesn't skip a beat. Personalities. That's cool. Our next email. That was a great question, Kareem, and congratulations once again. Our next email comes in from John, who says, "Hey Ben and friends, a breezy one for you. Are there any terms specific to one console slash game slash brand that you tend to use across the board?" For example, I tend to refer to all shoulder buttons as bumpers or triggers since the Xbox 360. Um, yeah, I mean, I think to me that that same thing happens because it's just, that's, it's a descriptor. Yes. It's more than like, you know, whatever random symbol you put on it. It's like, yeah, this is a bumper and this is a trigger or a button at least, you know. Right. Whereas, like, I, for the life of me, cannot get the ZRZL. Nope. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Get out of here with your ZR. L1, L2, R1, R2. ZR and ZL is so dumb. R2 and L2, like, fine. Oh, I hate it. This one, I hate it when games call something that is, like, very clearly a thing, just, like, some other name, just for the sake of being different. Like Oh, well, the Xbox One controllers, the perfect, the lines and the screens or whatever they're called. What? The, instead of start and select? I just call that thing start. I right. guess I have kind of gotten around to calling the options button the options button. Like, that is on the PS4 controller. Sure, yeah. But but on the Xbox, where it's not even a named thing, what is, it's yeah, what is that lines thing and the other the ones grill. are squares. And I think it's menu and I don't know what the other one is. I don't know. In fighting games, I hate it when they put something that is just a super move in and call it something. Like, it's just a super. I'm going to call it a super. <laughs> um, or, like, like if you call a skill tree something. Like, it's a skill tree. You know, things like that, I think, um, are the ones. But hardware-wise, I can't. Bonfires, man. Bonfires. Yeah. Any game that has that hard. bonfire mechanic, you're going to call it a bonfire. That one's hard, though, because... Like you only call it a bonfire because that is the like the most dominant thing, but within the context of a different game, it may not make sense for it to be a bonfire. Sure, so that sure. one I can kind of understand a little. Towers bit. a little bit. Towers, yeah, definitely it's a concept. Games. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Are there any other ones? Oh, sure. This is tough. This was a tough one, but hmm. they're definitely personal, though. They are. Mm-hmm. They are have personal. Our own words we're stuck on. Uh, our last email for this frame trap comes in from Alexander, who says, Hello, Ben and panel. Last week, Judgment's demo was released on the PlayStation Store. I was curious about this game, but wasn't ready to make a purchase because I wasn't sure how similar it would be to y- the Yakuza series, which don't appeal to me. After playing the demo for an hour or so, I thought, okay, this is fun and different enough. I need to play this game sometime in the future. However, the de- demo kept going for another three hours. What? I played the Judgment demo, and it didn't go on that long for me. That's interesting. Anyway, during which a lot of story progress was being made. Maybe this was different than the Japanese demo. I didn't want to forget the beginning of the story, but I also didn't want to replay an entire first chapter several months later. So after the demo was over, I went to the store and bought the game. This isn't the first time I was sold on a game because of its demo, and there wasn't a single instance when a demo unsold me on a game that I wanted to play initially. Unlike public betas, demos aren't limited in time and can be worked and can work as a marketing tool even after the game's release, and I suspect that they aren't more expensive to produce than live-action trailers, which will never change the mind of skeptics. Why do you think game publishers are less and less considering demos as good marketing tools for their games? A lot of work, I imagine. I think there's some weird conception that, like, 
they're giving you the game for free. They're like, oh, you're getting, you know, you're just going to play that demo. or Like, I, I don't know if this is still the case, but I remember for a while, like, a lot of Nintendo demos, like, they'd have a limited number of plays. Like, stuff like that. Like, you can only play this game, <laughs> like, this demo 15 times. Yeah, on 3DS they have that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it really bums me out because, like, as a kid, I lived off demos. I played so many demos. I loved demos. And I, I love demos because, like, I didn't have money to buy games, and my parents weren't just going to buy games, but I could convince them because, like, at Best Buy, you could go and you could pay $5 for the new jam pack. And that was a reasonable thing, and you got to play a bunch of different games. And so just, like, as a kid, and I'm sure this is true for a lot of people, like, they're very worried about money, and demos were a great way to circumvent that. So I'm very nostalgic for demos. But I think what it is, honestly, is I think it's Twitch hmm. or, or slash YouTube. Like, even from a consumer perspective, like, you could go to the store, go through its clunky menu, search for it, wait for it to download, play it, maybe get it, or you can just boot up Twitch on your phone in, like, a second and watch countless people playing it. And so I, I, I have to imagine that, like, publishers are looking at how people are getting introduced to those games, and I think that's why you're seeing, like, more and more publishers come out swinging with Twitch. Like, Borderlands 3 is a yeah. great example where it's, like, they're they're getting popular streamers streaming that game right now to see to to get yeah. people in because I think they know this is how people are are getting. Well, yeah, that that gameplay reveal event that I went to, you know, it's like I think it was ninety computers or whatever they had set up there in that that building. Yeah, you know, and so like round one was the press, and then the next day, maybe even next two days, they had just Twitch streamers in there for hours at a time. The, the thing where I think Twitch and YouTube fall short, though, is, like, people are only going to check out what they're aware of or if they throw enough money at it to be made aware of it, like right. doing big promotional things. That yeah, doesn't really it's, help. it's a really weird thing in terms of, like, discovering games. You right. know, like, we even run into this, you know, like, I've been doing a playthrough of Mother 3, and I've been super inconsistent about it, so, of course, it's not going to, like, latch on in the same way. Right. But it's, like... There's this weird, like, spiral of, like, well, nobody knows about this game, so nobody's going to be watching this stream. Right. Or, you know, it's just it's this very hardcore niche group of people, and everyone else is like, ah, I just watch Fortnite. You know, yeah. it's like it doesn't matter if it is one of the best RPGs ever made because it didn't come out in the U.S. in English. Right. Eh. And even then when it did, it was a GBA game. So it's like just people didn't care about it in the same way. Um, I, I do think, like independent games i wish they had more demos or just smaller games but obviously that's like that's hard for a small team right. to like do and make but xbox live arcade that used to be a requirement where every yeah. xbox live arcade game needed to have a trial and i don't know how practical it is probably not that practical they don't they don't do it anymore but i loved that and played so many trials and downloaded so many trials as a result and i do think it brings recognition to smaller games i had a lovely demo experience recently mm -hmm. on the playstation 4 and that was uh correct me if i'm wrong the pixel junk tower defense or is yeah, that pixel not pixel junk monsters pixel oh. junk monsters 2 
Uh, and I hadn't played the first one. And uh, w- I, was it you that turned me on to that? And they had the demo. Me or Huber, probably. And like, it was, I was looking forward to the demo. I remember like rushing to the store and it wasn't out yet. And I was like, oh, I'm actually like anticipating this demo. Yeah. And then like played a ton of that demo, got hooked on it, and then picked up the game when it came out and loved it. Uh, but one fun thing about demos that I experienced in that game was like, so not only did I get a kind of, you know, comfortable with the ins and outs of how the game would work, but I like got good at that game. Like I, I like got to a point where it was just this one, I think it was like two levels in the demo, but there was one in particular that I played on like the hardest difficulty. And I tried to just do like, like archer towers. Basically I was like, can I pull this off? And that became like an obsession. I think I spent like at least like an hour just trying to like beat the level in a way. I don't think they intended me to, but I was like, I think there's a way I can work the pace out. So when I finally got my hands on the real game, I just like, you know, plowed through that yeah. because I was good at it, you know, because I'd played the demo a bunch. And so it's fun to like get your skills up, you know, depending on if it's a genre that you really like, like I love tower defense. But um, so that was neat. Builders 2 has a demo on the Switch and PS4. So I, every now and then. I will say demos can work the opposite way, though. I can't think of any off the top of my head. I know it's definitely happened where... The demo was, like, so generous that I didn't feel the need to buy the full game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which which can happen. Which is, like, great for you, bad for them. But it's definitely happened. Man, there's – can't think of any, but it's happened. But that kind of, you know, is what you were saying earlier. That, like, maybe it's better if I just give you a tantalizing trailer and then give me $60. Right. <laughs> you right. know, as opposed <laughs> to, like, hey, play this and you might be, you know, sated by it. And then don't go. Yeah. It's like, sorry, too much to play. I think that's going to do it for emails. I think that's going to do it for this show. Thank you so much to everybody who wrote in. The email address is askeasyallies at gmail.com. One more time, that is askeasyallies at gmail.com. Huge thank you for joining me today. Daniel yeah. Blowworth and Brandon Jones. Woo. At the end there, in your, in your tired, exhausted, loopy state. Yeah. Big sacrifice. And thank you all so much for watching. Until next time.